Welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's Meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland to minimize the person-to-person spread of COVID-19, we suggest that citizens stay home and watch the county commissioner's meeting live on our QAC website at www.qac.org live or on QAC-TV's television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7. To maintain social distancing, seating will be restricted to invited presenters. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a health care provider. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building. Press and public comments is still encouraged. Uh, citizens can join the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org slash public comment, or you may email comments to public comment at qac.org, or you may leave a voicemail comment uh, by calling 443-262-4601. We are also accepting limited uh, public testimony this evening at our meeting, and comments, um, all comments received will be read uh, during the present public comment period on the evening, this evening's agenda. Citizens may also submit written testimony to the commissioners by mail at 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland, or by email at QAC Commissioners and Administrator at QAC.org. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, Liberty and justice for all. And if I could ask you for stand for a moment of silence for those words that we just read, our Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, Commissioners. We just held a closed session. Under Section 3-305B1 of the General Provisions Article to discuss boards and commissions and personnel. And we did reach a consensus to appoint, uh, I believe, Commissioner Jack Wilson to serve as our liaison to the National Association of Counties as a boards and commission member. And uh, we did uh, reach consensus, I believe, to uh, fill a few vacant positions so I would entertain a motion for, we, I think we agreed to uh, four positions for emergency services, one position for economic development and tourism, uh, uh, one position for the circuit court, and two contractual positions, one for the FEC and one for the Department of Public Works. Motion to approve. Second. Stated. Second. So motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Right. Thank you, Commissioners. That brings us to uh, today's agenda. The agenda for today's meeting, July 14th, 2020, and the regular and closed session minutes from your July 23rd meeting, the minutes from the June 9th Roads Board meeting, along with the Sanitary Commission meeting minutes from your May 26th meeting, were distributed electronically for review. Are there any additions and or corrections? Motion to approve is submitted. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. That brings us to our first press and public comment period. And I haven't read this one a lot for a while, but 
I will read this tonight. Um, thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of the office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. We ask as a courtesy to the board and our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request and refrain from naming citizens and name-calling when offering any critique. Thank you. I don't have a list. I have Martin on Zoom. I think someone signed up, though. Yes, someone did sign up. Tammy Harper, come on down. <laughs> you can either sit down or you want to sit. Okay, you can sit right up here. There you go. And Mr. Dick Smith. That's fine. All right. For the record, how are you? How you doing? For the record, my name is Tammy Harper, Tamara Harper. I'm from Stevensville, Maryland, president of the Board of Education of Queen Anne's County with me. I'm Richard Smith, vice president of Queen Anne's County Board of Education. I reside in Centerville, Maryland. So we thank you for this opportunity to speak during public comment uh, in case Hold you on, don't Tammy. know. Yeah, Jack, can you yeah. pull that door shut, please, sir? Is this taking away from my minutes, Jack? No, sure. No, we'll not at all. Restart. <coughs> we want to be able to hear you. Um, in case you don't know, our um, Board of Education meeting tomorrow night has been moved to July 22nd in order to allow the staff to get more time to collect more data about the reopening of schools. Uh, we thought it was appropriate to, to move to next Wednesday. So we thank you for this opportunity to talk tonight. An email was sent last week to parents and students of the Queen Anne's County Public Schools informing students of an upcoming event organized through Eventbrite. Eventbrite, as you may know, is an event promotion, management, and ticketing website. This particular online event was billed as Students Talking About Race or STAR and scheduled to be held July 13th and 14th. A notice about the event was initially shared on July 6th by the Kent County Local Management Board and the Queen Anne's County Department of Community Services with representatives of various government agencies in Caroline, Dorchester, Kent, Queen Anne, and Talbot counties, including a number of school officials. This email included an event Eventbrite link with a description of the session. As requested, the Queen Anne's County Public Schools Office of Student Services, Support Services, shared the notice with middle and high school principals and guidance counselors who in turn shared the information with parents and students on July 7th and 8th. This email was purely informational. There was no indication that the event was sponsored by the school system or that student participation was required. That said, some parents still had concerns about the event, particularly about students accessing the Eventbrite platform and potentially providing personal information to the website. This was also a concern that the organizers or facilitators were not employed or contracted by QACPS or the county or vetted by these agencies. Queen Anne's County Public Schools administrators did their best to respond to families' inquiries and refer them to originating agencies. The Board of Education recognizes that any event or offered offering sponsored by outside organizations, even if passed along by other local agencies, should be vetted thoroughly before being sent to the parents. This will allow them to make informed decisions of their, for their students and give the community confidence in the programs that we share. The board appreciates the feedback that was received from the community about this topic. The board will work with the superintendent and leadership teams to review the QACPS public information and communications policies to ensure that we have sound protocols and appropriate safeguards in place. So thank you all very much for allowing us tonight. 
Thank you. Will that be posted somewhere? That, uh, I will make sure it's t posted tomorrow on our website. Dick, did you want to say anything? No, or? just I'm here in support of it. And, uh, you know, majority of our students are minors, and we have to understand how things are sent out and what are done, and I think we're going to address some issues. Well, and, I, and I'm going to, you know, break a little silence here. Normally we don't do this till the end, but I will say that, you know, we have had numerous emails and phone calls and, you know, with everything from this is illegal to, you know, how could you let this happen? And we have vetted this through uh, legal counsel. And to the best of our knowledge, they, they can find nothing illegal about this. Uh, this. This company is not paid by the Board of Education. This company is not hired by the Board of Education. This was an at will. Either you, you, you get involved and you, you watch it or you don't watch it. So, you know, uh, for all those that are out there that are saying that this is illegal and, and everything else that goes with it and that, you know, we're not doing our jobs. Uh, in fact, we are doing our jobs. And, uh, you know, we, we did vet this through legal counsel, and, and right now there's, there's not an issue with it. So that's we all. Did, we, we, we didn't vet it until after it already had taken place. We as commissioners didn't. You're you're saying we vetted it. We we, we we didn't vet it before it happened. We didn't. We didn't. Commissioners, did did anybody know that this was going to take place? Or no, no, no. I meant I meant. Yet when we received emails and questions from constituents, sure. We went to a legal counsel right. and had them look into it, and there was no a problem. After the, after the fact. Well, it was just done yesterday. Uh, the advice that we got from legal counsel that, that nothing was illegally done. I, I, I'm, I'm saying the point I'm trying to make is, is that this all took place, and then the concerns from the parents started coming in, and then we sought advice from counsel as to how this went down and was this legal and did we have any kind of recourse towards it and and council advised us that nothing illegal was done correct okay i'm no. just asking that okay that we right. it was investigation clear that, in that it response, took place. an investigation in response to citizen concerns correct was, it, was it wasn't it, we didn't vet it before it went out we didn't know ahead no, no, of time no. that it correct. was coming no, we didn't know, that's right. what i'm trying to clarify okay. all right i understand social okay. social meeting, uh, media is very good it also is a two-edged sword and i think we all as leaders need to look at things deeper and perception is a lot of it and people no matter who you talk to can take it out of context sometimes um, and i hope we all will do a better job in the future and i agree with you wholeheartedly we live in a real-time world i mean it, everything happens right now this second and everybody has it to look at right now right this second and sometimes people rush to judgment we as commissioners have to be responsible and make sure and check all avenues. So if we don't comment on a Facebook page about how we feel about it, don't be upset. That means we're doing our job and we're doing our due diligence to protect the county. That's one thing I'm proud of as a commissioner up here is we've kept this county out of a lot of lawsuits because we do vet things prior to uh, making statements and taking action. So, um, But on a personal note, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear you guys are going to do something to look at how information is put out because I think it is important in this day, again, very technology, everything. The kids are better at technology than we are. And I think it's just important that the parents have the first look at anything a child's going to do. So I appreciate you guys uh, moving in that direction and looking at things well, to do that way. There's several facets to it. You know, we don't have a communications director. We don't have a communications office per se, you know, budget cuts being what they are. So we have to have policies in place, protocols in place that will, you know, ensure that this doesn't happen again where students' information 
is potentially being compromised. That is our goal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important this, In this situation. Yeah, I think okay. that's important. Thank, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. much. Thank, thank you. Thank Anybody else on the list? Nobody else? You have somebody? Clear. Clear. We are clear, so we're going to close press and com- public comment, and we're moving on. Okay, that takes us to the new business section of the agenda. So first we have the Department of Public Works, and I believe they uh, are out there, a couple of them. They so, are. Yeah, okay. Come on in, gentlemen. Chief of Engineering, Lee Edgar, and Director Alan Quimby. So if you want to turn to tab two, commissioners, uh, item number one is first up on the agenda, wetland mitigation delineation design contract. Question on that. I move toward the wetland mitigation delineation and design contract to Lane Engineering, LLC of Eastern Maryland, in the amount of 43200 and authorize the Director of Public Works to issue the notice of award and execute the contract on behalf of the county commissioners. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Let's, let's have some discussion so the public understands what wetland delineation is and where this is and why it's being done. Certainly. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, this project has actually been around for a little while. Uh, originally originated with uh, permitted impacts to wetlands in the Cloverfields and Bay Cities uh, communities back in the 1990s. Uh, there have been some other county projects over time such that the county has assumed a wetland mitigation obligation on on the part of the state. We collected fees for permitted impacts and with the obligation that then we would then restore some wetlands. Uh, About 10, 15 years ago, we installed uh, wetlands on the Greenberg property down there on South Route 8. Uh, They've taken off pretty well. They've not fully addressed the uh, obligation that we have in terms of the acreage that needs to be created. Presently, there's about a deficit of 11 acres of forested wetlands which need to be established. So uh, what we've done, we've worked closely with uh, MDE, with folks over there, and we've looked at different county properties that have the potential, the proper soils, hydrology, and such, in order to do some put, some, put forth some design, some grading of the land, installation of you know the right plantings, develop the proper hydrology in order to establish some wetlands, which would fulfill our remaining wetland uh, obligations. So we, uh, we have coordinated with MDE and we put out a uh, invitation to bid uh, several weeks ago here. We received eight bids from uh, environmental and engineering firms who would be bidding on a few different aspects of this job. Uh, the first is delineating the wetlands which exist on site. Part of the reason that the site that we're looking at, part of the Tanner property there by the Route 8 Trail is, excuse me, the Cross Island Trail, that property has the soils and the hydrology which is beneficial to creating wetlands. There are some there in that area. Portions of the land which have been farmed in more recent years do not currently exist as wetlands, but the potential's there. So the first step is going to be delineating the limits of the existing wetlands. Obviously, where they exist, we won't be taking credit for those. But then inside of that, we can modify that land area to be conducive to support wetlands. 
So first there's going to be a delineation of the existing wetlands, then a design, grading out the site in order to ensure it has a proper hydrology, the water going in and holding in those areas, and then uh, wetland plantings. Uh, another component of that is following construction. There will be some construction administration on the part of the uh, contractor, as well as five years of performance monitoring, which is required by MDE. So we received eight bids. As you can see, the, as we've had this happen before, the prices kind of span the full spectrum. I think every firm's situation is a little bit different, their approach and the uh, circumstances they have. We uh, received a very competitive bid from Lane Engineering. They've confirmed that they are, that they are very much comfortable with their numbers. They have experience uh, that they've demonstrated doing some wetland design in the past, and so we recommend that this job be awarded to Lane Engineering in the amount of $43,200. So when this, and they're doing the design work, the layout and everything else, and then we put it out to contract to somebody else to come actually do the excavating, and get it all back to wetlands. That's correct. So and how close will this get us on our, our obligation for acreage? We believe that this site has the potential to do 15 acres or more of wetland. And we have a deficit of 11 acres. Okay, good. So that'll put us past. And this is all the, the property that was donated to us from um, uh, Four Seasons, correct? That is correct. So, and it, it, it's presently being farmed, and it's not going to be farmed much longer if, if all this works out well. That's right. Good. Excellent. So, so we get a lot of pricing in here, and we always ask the question oh, yeah. when double, but... This one here has got me baffled. I mean, the second lowest bidder is double the one we're awarding it to, and the last bidder is, oh, my God, high. So, I mean, is it, is it such a finite industry that you really got to know what you're doing to be able to commit to something like this? I mean, it just amazes me the price differences here. <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the, hey, that's, that's all I can say is, wow. Just, I'm happy because normally – Someplace to throw out the low, throw out the high, and go. Yeah, the take the middle. Part. I know, and on this case, it would hurt. But yeah, so is it? Is it? Yeah. Is that what it is? Is or or do you think people are that busy right now that they're just throwing numbers out? I mean, I can't believe that. I think it's a combination of all of the above. I mean, you can tell from we had a pre-proposal meeting. We met with several of the vendors out there. Many of them have different approaches. Lane Engineering is foremost an engineering firm, but they have the qualifications and staff with environmental experience who do this work. They've done it before, but. As an engineering firm, you know, it's engineers, artists. They're just looking at, all right, we're going to make the site work. The hydrology, the plants, it's not that difficult. Some of the folks that we've met out on the site, they're very, very passionate. They know every detail of the science, and their approach to design is going to be, you know, putting in tremendous amount of time and effort into fine-tuning that site just right. I think that's some of it. I think some of it has to do with how busy these firms are. Uh, clearly, Lane is in a situation where they have a simple approach to the project, and they're looking for the work. That's my interpretation of it. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Just anybody else? One thing, Commissioner, the one reason it's taking so long is MDE is very particular about these sites. We have probably visited two dozen sites over the last couple of decades, and they just we try to tell them, look, it's not a problem creating wetlands around here. <laughs> but they don't, really, they don't buy it. So did they turn down other sites? Oh, how many think they've turned down? I can, I can think of a dozen off the top of my head. Yeah. Really? Really, wow. Even so what after are those the sites, Right now, what are those sites doing? I mean, are they probably being wetlands on their own? <laughs> right. Really? 
That's amazing. So, so at, maybe they knew that, and they knew that, well, we already got those wetlands. Let's go make some somewhere. We don't like to think they had that thought process, but I doubt it. Do they turn them down after the engineering's done? So you've spent the money to get the No, we're talking about sites. I think they've approved this site. Oh, okay, all right. So yes. site, then the Site approval, okay. then the right. All right, gotcha. Okay, we're moving to award the Wetland Mitigation Delineation and Design Contract to Lane Engineering LLC of Eastern Maryland in the amount of $43,200. And authorize the Director of Public Works to issue the notice of award and execute the contract on behalf of the county commissioners. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, mm -hmm. item two on page four is the property management division, weed control. Looking for a FY21 truck. Can we get a motion on that, please? I move to purchase one three-quarter ton pickup truck for weed control operations from Apple Ford via the State of Maryland's blanket purchase order in the amount of $36,660. I'll second that. Any discussion? So I have a question. Um, item four in our book, we talk about purchasing eight new trucks. For sanitary. For sanitary. So there's no trucks that can be used. That, that we're going to get rid of here to, mm. to handle that weed unit? When we get rid of a truck at Sanitary, it is not worth much to anybody. Okay. In fact, I need to amend my memo where I said four would be spares out of the eight. Six, only two are going to be spares. Only two are going to be? Okay. And I'm I, actually, I had to ask. I'm actually going to come to Alan's defense on this because I always used to say when I'm driving around, why is it these blue trucks look like... Oh, whoopties. I mean, I, I, you do run those into the ground. And, and yeah. you know, yeah, we I mean, do. Every, all the pretty little white trucks everywhere and everything else, but those sanitary trucks. Uh. Yeah, those Parks and Rex <laughs> guys, they got the pretty white trucks. Yeah, yes, they do. It's looking good. But he's, he's an enterprise fund, so we, we pretty much got to say it's, it's what you raise, what the, what the fees are paying for. Right. So, any, so we had a motion and we had a second. Yes, we did. So uh, if there's no further discussion, we're going to move into purchase one three-quarter ton pickup truck for weed control operations from Apple Ford via the State of Maryland's blanket purchase order in the amount of $36,660. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All righty. Thank you. Okay. Item, well, next I think we need to convene as the Sanitary Commission, so we can turn to page uh, item three on page eight, and we have uh, one item for solid waste, the groundwater uh, landfill gas monitoring contract award. Okay. We are convening as the motion. Sanitary Commission, and... I'll make a motion. Please do. I move to award the semiannual groundwater and quarterly gas sampling three-year contract at Hill Consulting Incorporated of Annapolis, Maryland, in the amount of $48,175. Second. Uh, <laughs> questions, comments? Quick, quickly, what is this for? Uh, We're sampling what? And sure. Uh, the county has three closed landfills closed in the 1990s, and uh, per NBA requirements, we have to monitor right. them uh, semi-annually. Centerville's down to once a year. Chapel and Price, uh, I'm sorry, Glanding and Price Chapel are down to are twice a year. And included in that is the gas monitoring as well, which happens quarterly. So when gas builds up, you're monitoring it, but what are you doing with it? It's venting out. Isn't it's, it? it's passive vents. It's, it's oh, it is. slowly oh. seeping out as it okay. rises. Yeah. Okay. That's the, uh, the white pipes that are coming up out of the ground. It's the vent, yes, correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
All right. So this is a three-year contract with a two-year possible extension. Okay. Any other questions? So we're awarding the Semiano Groundwater and Quarterly Gas Sampling three-year contract to Hill Consulting Incorporated of Annapolis, Maryland, the amount of 48175 All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. Real quick, Shane, and, and just to bring this up as a point we may want to think about, if we could get the two-year extension, looking at this pricing now, if you lock in that two years at this existing pricing, that's probably a good deal looking at some of the other prices here. We've been very fortunate with our consultant for the past five years, and his prices are very reasonable. Yeah, I mean, just looking at some of the bids you got. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right, Here we commissioners. go. Commissioners, uh, item number four on page 10 is the FY21 pickup trucks for the sanitary district, sanitary commission. Hey, a motion make a motion. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I'll make that motion. Do you want me to do it, Phil? Yes. I'll do it, Phil. I move to purchase eight three-quarter ton four-wheel drive pickup trucks, two with snow plows and one with a utility body for water and sewer operations from Apple Ford via the state of Maryland's blanket purchase order in the aggregate amount of $248,675. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? And these are for the enterprise zone. They have their own budget. And That's right. And your sewer rates are what's paying for this. So and they do need to replace them. Well, just to let you know, we've got uh, two of them are 2001s that have about 170,000 miles. Two of them, one of them is a 2003 with 200,000. Two of them are 2005s of over 200,000. And the last one had a, is a 2011, but the engine's blown. You know, I, I have to agree with you in the sense that you guys do drive those things into the ground. I mean, you're talking about a vehicle here that's 19 years old. 19. It runs, we keep it, but when it stops running, we get, you know. Well, and if you're out late... Those are the trucks you see yep. at all the pumping stations. The weekends and, wells. and every other time. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Okay, so any other discussion? I'm not going to read that one again. So all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number five, page 12, is the annual wastewater capacity uh, spreadsheet update. This is an informational item. Yes, Commissioners. Um, <clears throat> uh, like Todd indicated, about once a year we bring this to your attention. Um, there's not a lot of going on development-wise other than from over the past year. But as I indicated, MDB, MDE looks at your three-year rolling average, and that continues to go up because about three years ago we were flowing like 1.8, whereas now we're flowing 2.2. So every year, even though the flows through the plant, or every month, even though the flows through the plant don't increase, that uh, buffer to allow you to sell more sewer goes down. I just wanted to bring that to your attention to know that there is a looming shortage on treatment capacity, sewer treatment capacity. For like new projects. For new projects. Correct. Correct. All the existing projects. Right, and it's in the hopper can go through and be done. Mm -hmm. um, Nothing new. Other, aside from what's in the memo, I'm not sure what else I could add. Other than answering any questions you may have. Any questions? Nope. That was painless. If <laughs> you know that's not going to lay still long, is it? <laughs> Very good. Moratoriums aren't painless. That's exactly right. That's right. Thank okay. you. Okay. Moving on then. Item number six is also an informational update on the South Kent Island Sanitary Project. Page 15. Another informational item. Um, this project continues to move along surprisingly well. Still in dis disbelief, personally. <laughs> don't jinx um, it. Pardon me? Yeah, don't jinx it, precisely. 
At the end of June, we had 619 out of 70, 774 installed. We had 402 two homes flowing, which is more than half of phase one. Um, and the contractors actually catch it up. I say here, he's got uh, about five months behind. At his continued pace, it may only be three months behind. Either way, budget-wise, it works out for us. Um, worst case, we'll have be able to levy the assessments on the existing homes in July of 21. Best case would be April of 21. If you recall, we assessed the, all the vacant lots back in October of 18. So money's been flowing in to satisfy the debt service so far. Although so far, all we're paying is interest on the debt. We have not closed the loan with MDE, so we pay interest as we go along. Um, again, phase one is really moving along nicely. Phase two is moving along fairly nicely, too. We've, as you remember, we let the contract for the pipes in the street, phase two being Tower Gardens. Mm -hmm. I'm about to let the contract for the 200 homes step tanks. Um, MDE is delaying me a little bit, giving their final approval on my bid package. But um, it's moving along. I suspect by this fall, tanks should be dropped into the ground, and probably by the next month, pipes should be going into the ground. So it's moving along. We recently let the two design contracts for Phase 3, which is Kentmore and Queen Anne Colony, which is 335 homes, and the right of entry forms, which is the first step that allows the uh, consultant to get on their land to do the site plans. We've already got over 100 of those back, and we only sent out the letters like four <laughs> weeks ago. So I don't know if the mood has changed or people feel that it's inevitable, but it seems like participation and cooperation is going up. Phase, last phase is phase four. We have done any, anything on that. That's Chesapeake Estates, Sunny Isle, Kent, Bassneck, and Mattapique Estates. Error. We don't anticipate doing anything on that until maybe 2022 as far as design contracts. Hmm. I'd and say we're about six years out to be done, mm -hmm. give or take. And no, no, nothing of major concern at all? No, honestly. I mean, we have had, in phase one, we have five individuals that have refused to participate whatsoever. I just sent them out a letter reminding them that while they, um, they're under no legal obligation to participate, they're going to get billed anyway, so you'd be kind of stupid to not participate, but that's obviously their choice. Will they reach a time when the contract has moved on and it's going to cost them even more to come back? And Yes. Plus, they lose the uh, money from the state. They lose the 13000 for the hookup, too, right, after a certain amount of They time. will lose everything. They, right. I mean, and then they'll be forced if their septic goes bad to hook up, right? Yeah, my my prediction is the mortgage company they go to sell their home, and the mortgage company is going to say you're going to have to do it. Right, right, right. Mm. So, but you know they're within their rights not to participate, but they'll have to pay regardless. And how many? How many did you say we have that are holding out? We have five that have not participated whatsoever, which means they have not executed a right of entry, so we can't even get on their property to do the design. And we have another. Seven or eight that have, have participated. We do have designs, but they just haven't finalized their easement, so we can't do any work on them. But I think that's more of an oversight on their part than resistance. Right. So we're sending out letters to them as well. Hmm. Very good. Excellent. Thank you. I just want to commend the Department of Public Works and, and Alan Quimby in personally because this has been a by far the, one of the probably the biggest job the county's ever undertaken as a, as a single project. We're already into phase three. It's hard for me to even believe we're that far along and it's going very smooth. I haven't heard anything um, negative about the job 
in years. Right. Now. I mean, we've yeah. had a few little minor things here and there, but I think it's gone very, very smooth. It's a great service, uh, and it's a, a great partnership with our colleagues at uh, MDE, and it's uh, it's going very well. So, and, and I just remind me, since we are two years pretty much into it, 18 months since the first one flushed, right? Yes. So when does that tank get cleaned out? Right now, our, we're going to do it on five-year intervals. Okay. So you can go five years. Well, I think According to our friends on the West Coast, they can go further than that. But we're, we thought we would make our first round in five years okay. to see what we, just to see what the, the uh, Lacey out in Washington State, who we relied on heavily for their expertise, they do eight year. Mm. How many eight? Yes. Five is a good number. Now, would that be inspect and pump, or you just you're going to pump no matter what? I mean, would you yeah, we're going to pump them no matter what. If you open it up, you might as well pump yeah. it. Yeah. You, uh, you, Alan, you said just a minute ago, and I apologize mm-hmm. um, for the Tower Gardens Phase Two. Uh, where you're going to start breaking ground and installing tanks. You mm-hmm. said what, in the next three, four months? We should be, I had hoped to have the step tank the step tank biz, which is where we start digging holes in people's yards in uh, late August. But now it looks to me like it's going to be early October or so. So, okay. yeah. But the pipeline, the, the pipeline contractor has already staked out Kent Point Road. So he, they should see activity there within a month, we okay. hope. It's all directional drill to keep disruption to the roads and the community down. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, to, to echo Todd's comment, one reason it's gone so smooth is that you have a very <clears throat> good staff down there. The inspectors are very personable, and they care. And, you know, people <coughs> respect the fact that they care. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, we would... As commissioners would like to buy them a beer at the picnic, but since we'll have to wait till next year, <laughs> unfortunately. When we toast the vaccine, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> we toast that vaccine. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. And then this, uh, the, the text amendment. Yeah, next we have a uh, public hearing for the comprehensive solid waste plan, a text amendment, uh, public hearing. So Patrick Thompson is here to... Um, on the hearing, this is kind of a housekeeping item. Yeah, talk, it mean, doesn't apply to us here. But yet. didn't it come through this? I mean, it was state law. Why are we having to adopt it here? We had to adopt it into ours? Yeah, you have it, to yeah. put it in your solid waste. I got you. That was a controversial one. You ready? Ready. How many ready? buildings do you want? Okay, sorry. All right, this is a public hearing being held Tuesday, July 14, 2020, at 5.50 p.m. in the County Commissioner's Meeting Room. Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland. The purpose of the hearing is to receive public comment with respect to, to a proposed amendment to the Queen Anne's County Solid Waste Plan addressing the requirement for recycling from office buildings containing 150,000 square feet or greater of office space as required by Section 9-1714 of the Environment Article of the Annotated Code of Maryland. Copies of the proposed amendment have been available to the County Commissioner's Office during normal business hours. Speakers will be limited to three minutes each. Written te- testimony of any length can be submitted before the hearing to the County Commissioner's Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville. And in order to minimize person-to-person spread of COVID-19, citizens are urged to participate by email, live video, or uh, audio and that information has been advertised. All here sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities 
sign language interpreters and assistive listening systems are available. Part of the record of the proceeding will be the certificate of publication indicating notice of tonight's hearing was published in the Bay Times Record Observer on three successive occasions. And there also is a resolution that's been introduced amending the plan as part of the record. Is there any public comment? Nope. We're going to go ahead and close public comment then. And we'll hold it for two weeks and then vote on it. Okay. And we might, yeah, let's roll into the next one. Yeah, we have another hearing, 555. So um, this one is County Ordinance 20 10, postponement of the 2020 Queen Anne's County tax sale. This is an emergency bill, so it can be voted on this evening if you choose. It requires four votes to pass as emergency legislation. On June 23rd, 2020, Commissioner Moran introduced County Ordinance 20 10. A bill entitled an act concerning the postponement of the 2020 Queen Anne's County tax sale for the purpose of delaying and postponing the 2020 Queen Anne's County tax sale until 2021 and generally addressing the date of the annual tax sale in Queen Anne's County by amending Section 5-2 of the Code of Public Local Laws. This hearing is being held Tuesday, July 14, 2020 at 5.55 p.m. in the County Commissioner's Meeting Room. Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland. Copies of the ordinance have been available at the county commissioner's office during regular business hours or online on the county website. Uh, citizens are urged to participate by email, live video, and audio, and the information regarding those has been published. Uh, speakers are limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length can be submitted on before the hearing date to the county commissioner's all hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assistive listening systems are available. Part of the record of this proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating that notice of the hearing was published in the Bay Times Record Observer two successive weeks prior to tonight's hearing. Any public comment? No comment. So we're going to go ahead and close the public comment portion. And since it is emergency legislation, motion. To adopt County Ordinance 20-10. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? And this is basically to stop the tax sale for this year due to the COVID and, and all other kinds of external pressures. We're going to hold off on that. So seeing no other discussion, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. 5-0. Thank you for introducing that. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Patrick. Good to see you. Okay, commissioners, if you want to flip over to uh, tab number three, we have some additional new business. We have a, 10 items. Um, tab three, item one, page one, letter of support to the, for a grant for the Queen Anne's County YMCA. This is coming through the Department of Community Services to receive $150,000 towards site work. Can I get a motion on that? I move to sign. And submit the letter of support for QAC Department of Community Service application to the Rural Maryland Prosperity Investment Fund grant on this 14th day of July 2020. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item two on page three is a subordination agreement for a critical workforce loan for uh, Mr. Kirby Schultz. Can I get a motion on that, please? 
I move to sign a subordination agreement for Kirby Schultz in order for him to obtain a lower interest rate and reduce the payment on his current mortgage. Second. Second. Chris, actually. Okay, we have a motion to second. Any discussion? Yeah, just so I, I know we've done a couple of these, but just so the public understands, this is basically the first responders' loans, and they're refinancing their house, and they are then taking the county off, which puts that money back in for other people to get. No, I don't think it takes does this. I think it just lowers the rate, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, so the, yep. yeah, the, he's not paying that loan off. He's just lowering his rate. To get refi. Correct. It's a refi. Oh, I thought they rolled him in there when they were doing them. I thought the last one they actually rolled it in. They could have it. on that, but on this one I think it's just a refinance. Okay, gotcha. Yep. It's just refi, yeah. Okay. Just a refi. Gotcha. Yep. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item number three on page 43 is a new draft standard operating policy for volunteer uh, uh, volunteer groups that work for the county government in various aspects. So this is to centralize our procedures for volunteer um, service workers. I move that the volunteer policy be adopted and as presented to be effective in seven business days. Excellent. We have a motion to second. Any discussion on this? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Item four on page 53 is, if you recall, at the May 26th meeting, we approved the disbursements of funds to Lab Leasing Company through the EDIF for $50,000 as a conditional loan. And I get a motion on that. This is the promissory note to uh, allow those funds to be transmitted. I move to sign the promissory note. Uh, UCC filing and security agreement for lab leasing company incorporating doing business as water testing labs of Maryland. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 5 on page 60 is the Board of Education additional appropriation request and restricted grant funding. Um, this is a more or less a budget amendment for them. This is for CARES money for the school systems. I move to approve the BOE request for the additional appropriation request of $739,946 in federal restrictive grants for the period ending June 30th, 2020. We have a motion and a second. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 6 on page 61 is an additional Board of Ed item. This is a request of transfers between major state categories, and we've seen a number of these uh, through March 31st, or May 31st. I get a motion on that. First. Uh, I move to approve BOE request of transfer listed between major state categories for the period ended May 31, 2020. I'll second that. Any discussion? I will say that... Uh, Commissioner Corcorino and myself did vet the board uh, on this in our meeting today, and all this seems perfectly fine with what they're doing with just adjusting from during COVID things that didn't need to get paid to things that had to get paid and moving some funds around. So this is you know, uh, perfectly ex acceptable. Yeah. So seeing no other discussion, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay, thank you, Commissioners. Uh, item number seven on page 62 is a rural legacy deed of easement amendment, and this is uh, to adjust a couple of properties uh, in a deed of easement so they are approximately equal in size. 
I move to approve the rural legacy deed of easement amendment as presented. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number eight on page 72 is from the Kenton Arrows uh, Foundation transfer uh, funds from, five fun, from fund 570 uh, for their operating accounts. I move to approve the KNDF request to draw 35000 from the 570 fund to cover general administrative costs associated with the 2020 programs as articulated in the Kenton Arrows Development Foundation Community Plan and for continued efforts to work with the county to update the comprehensive plan. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number nine on page 73 is Budget Amendment CC1. This is a budget amendment that recognizes county department savings in the amount of 321000 $265 for the FY21 budget. Motion to approve CC1. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. I don't think I've ever seen a CC1. Yes, CC1. Oh, they have one every year. No, never. There's never one every one. year. It's the they first have one, one every year. year. I know we do. That's what I was trying to say. I don't. But they usually happen early on, so you forget yeah, about them. Exactly. <laughs> and I want to thank our director of uh, finance, John Seaman, and our department directors for coming up with these uh, additional savings. We know we're in a difficult budget year going forward, and we hope that we can uh, recoup some of these, you know, midway through this this coming fiscal year. So, thanks to all of them. All okay. Right. Item number ten on um, page seventy-seven is a. Um, series of resolutions to place liens on properties uh, that have nuisance violations. I'll make the motion. I just had to make sure I wasn't on there this time. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I move to a, come cutting grass, <laughs> high grass, high grass. That's I right. move to approve the resolution 20-13 through 20-16 to place a lien on each property list in the county zoning administrator's memorandum dated July 14, 2020 for nuisance violations. Second. We have a motion and a second. <laughs> Any discussion? You got me looking for something. Sorry. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, next, we have two desk items. Uh, desk item number, or number 11, is a letter to the citizens of Queen Anne's County that goes out with our 2021 property tax bill that uh, our director of finance has sent up. So. Can I get a motion to approve I move to sign the FY21 property tax bill letter. Second. I got you off the hook there. Okay, we have a motion and a second on the letter. Any discussion on this letter? Multitasking. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. And uh, action item 12, also a desk item is um, proposed uh, state legislation to pre-file. This is a, a letter that we would send, I could send to uh, Delegate Aarons to allow hunting on Sundays to, uh, number one, to restrict and prohibit fishing within SHA right-of-ways under the Kenton Arrows Bridge, specifically uh, on, in the Kenton Arrows under that drawbridge and the uh, high overpass bridge, and to prohibit sewerage pump-outs from boats in all state waterways within the jurisdictional boundaries of Queen Anne's County. So what he wants to do is he wants to pre-file these. 
Uh, the first one should be on uh, private property only, not public okay. land. All right. So that one should be private because, you know, Y Island and everything else is not going to allow that. So, you know, we're just looking for the private land. Uh, the second one is fine. The third one, did you get the email from uh, Bruce Barriano? Did you read that letter? Uh, McKenna. I, I did yeah, not. You, did you see that? I saw that. Yeah, so I think maybe we we met, hold off on number three and, okay. and let's research because I think it has to go a different route than through the legislation. Okay. Just right. so we want to make sure that we do it so that do it right the first time. So, but other than that, I'm fine with sending that on its merry way. I am too, but uh, I was going to say with the round table to tee you up for something. But should we uh, have our delegation start pressing for to put the uh, bill in to get the NEPA two uh, money? I mean, because that's got to come. Are you, are you talking about the uh, the bridge? Yeah. Oh, we're all over that. Okay, but I mean that's legislation, right? Um, <laughs> maybe not, because yeah. Yes and no. It's, it's, I was going to wait for the roundtable, but since this was here, if we were going to vote it, I wanted to vote it in with the. So, so there is there is options to that, and it can be put in at any time. It can be removed at any time. We showed them a funding source, so we are working with the state right now. We had a, a two-hour meeting with them, and uh, it was very productive. So, uh, okay. For right now, I think that's a question that we've posed to them, and they're going to get back to us on that. So uh, until they do, I don't think we should move forward with it until Perfect. we get an answer on that. So do we need a motion, or are you good to go with forwarding the two and, and waiting on the third? Yeah, it, you should do a motion on that, and okay. we can do okay. those two. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, motion to request delegate Aaron's to draft state legislation and pre-file the following bills for the 2021 General Assembly, uh, allowing hunting on Sundays on private property, um, bow, muzzle loader, and shotgun, and restrict... Uh, and, it's, and prohibit fishing with within SHA right of ways and the Kent Narrows, specifically under the Kent Narrows Bridge, where safety is a concern. Second. So, any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, Commissioners, thank you very much. That concludes our action items for this evening. If you want to turn over to tab number six, we have a couple presentations. First is character counts. I believe we do have some folks here tonight. Margie's going to check for them. And uh, item number one on page one, pillar of the month for July, citizenship. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. We've uh, missed you guys. Uh, we've missed you. We keep looking at the same five or six people in here going, please, somebody come through that door. <laughs> well, thank you for allowing us to come, yeah. All right. So along with me, I have our character counts, advisory council co-chair, one of them. Um, so he's here to join me, and we have some guests in the back. Um, but kind of an unbelievable time that we've gone through. Um, in March, we had 100 coaches. Um, so we hit our goal over 100 coaches. Uh-huh. After March 16th, we had maybe about 20 coaches, wow. but it was really neat. Um, we reached out. I reached out, encouraged coaches to do virtual lessons. We had coaches that were doing live Google lessons. We had coaches that were taping themselves from um, John Hopkins and making YouTubes to send to the teachers. Ah. They were writing letters, and it was really inspiring to see what these mm -hmm. guys did, um, and women. Um, so we had other people who they wrote class letters, you know, reminded their um, 
students what they did over the year, handed out end-of-year certificates. So for a lot of them, it continued on just like it would, would have been a normal year. Um, with COVID-19 here, um, we decided to write that proclamation a couple months ago on caring because it was really neat to see how our community came together and really cared about everyone. Okay. Not only cared, took responsibility, were mm -hmm. good citizens and all that kind of stuff. So that was really neat to see. Um, and to me, that's what Character Counts is all about. Mm -hmm. um, our appreciation dinner, unfortunately, <sighs> had to be rescheduled or is going to be rescheduled um, and postponed. We're hoping for the fall, but we don't have a date set right. quite yet. Okay. We gotta wait and make sure it's a safe time to do it. Mm -hmm. um, we were able to come up with some of our yearly recognitions. We have another coach, number nine, eight or nine, that has served 10 years with Character Counts, wow. Fred Sheriff up at Church Hill. So we'll be recognizing him at the dinner. We also were able to have our coach of the year. Um, finally, we got someone from Ken Island um, Mr. Jay Kenty, um, who is, he was nominated by a bunch of teachers, by a, the principal. He's in the school so much, Excellent. I'm not even sure how many classes he coaches. Yeah, he's really, he's really good. Yeah, he is. Um, so he's, he's amazing. So we will, hopefully at the dinner, we'll be able to recognize him some more. Um, we were able to, and we invited you guys, our two seniors that were graduating, Skylar Pedraza, who um, we had a congressional recognition. Mike Arntz came from Congressman Andy Harris's office for her contributions to Character Counts and what she's done. She got a bunch of the high schoolers involved and it was really, um, it was a neat day. But he also presented her a flag that had flown over the Capitol. Wow. Um, nice. And Grace Riggs, our teen of character, she was recognized. We had a little ceremony out in the, um, in the little park there and it was really neat to hear how the parents appreciated the fact that we went above and beyond and took the time and had this little gathering for their seniors who had missed out on quite a bit. So that was neat. Um, now it, my, my goal is working to try and figure out what the schools are doing so yeah. we can come up with a game plan yeah. um, for next year. So um, with that being said, I'm gonna move on, let Wayne say a little bit. Um, I just, uh wanted to say first that uh, I wanted to say thank you to the five of you for your ongoing continued support of Character Counts. It, it really means a lot. I know it, you take some time out of your schedules to, to do the proclamations, but uh, I believe it's so important that we continue to do those because it, it accomplishes a number of things. It keeps the community, the groups, the organizations, the individuals in Queen Anne's County involved in character counts by writing the proclamations especially and, in the environment that we are living as americans yes. today we could use a little more citizenship and caring yes and, uh, so it couldn't be more important this message that that we're we're getting to the kids in our school system yes than than today these days for sure and we're we're uh, as kelly said we're we're trying to uh, put together a a, uh, a way to keep the initiative going in the schools, but the coaches have been just unbelievable with the ideas they've come up with. And some of them, one of them had a professional studio that they did something, I think it was at Johns Hopkins. Well, he, he had someone video record him, and he was live from Johns Hopkins. He's a nurse up there. And, you know, I'm reaching out to all my kids, you know, back at school, and, you know, words 
be safe during COVID. And, and he just went through all the different pillars and it just was really inspiring. And it was neat that he took his time to do such a thing. So I can remember when, uh, in my first term, um, Commissioner Ayrton and myself were characters count coaches um, at Graysonville and Mattapeak. Um, and, and you guys kept kind of like a, a Bible um, of different projects and different ways that you can get the message out. Are you guys obviously keeping, uh, you know, in for, for, for anyone who's new as a Characters Counts coach, you can present them with a package. It we have gives a, them ideas of what they can use to, to get the message. Absolutely. We have okay. a binder put together. Okay. Um, what I'm thinking about even for the fall is having a bunch of these coaches do these online lessons um, in the midst of COVID and, you know, something that's kind of applicable to what's going on today. Mm -hmm. um, just like that one coach did. Um, you know, well, there was a couple of them that actually did different lessons. You know, here we are in this, in our community now and things are much different. But this is what we need to remember. We need to always be caring. We need to reach out and help other people. We need to be responsible for ourselves and wash our hands, you know, for the little ones. So, it was, um, you know, so there's a lot we can add to that. It actually can, sometimes uh, their, their opportunities come out of times like this. And I think uh, Kelly and a lot of the coaches, being a lot younger than I am, know a lot of this technical things that they can use. And it's going to be exciting to see how they choose to use the communications that they have available to them today. And... Uh, I think we're going to do fine. It, uh, it, I, you know, we were just talking a few minutes ago about a hundred coaches. Wouldn't surprise me if we still have a hundred coaches, but they'll be doing it. They're coaching a little differently, and and for some maybe it will actually open an opportunity because they, the time it takes to go to the school and that sort of thing. Maybe they can take the time to to uh, prepare and then do a lesson over the internet. So. It'll be interesting, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Have you thought any about, and since Bruce is in here and he loves doing videos, have you ever thought about QAC TV possibly doing a monthly video if it's something that we could work on for character counts? We and, would uh, love to do that. Actually, that I, you I could actually utilize and spread out to everybody, and then that way some people that don't necessarily have coaches to film, at least there'd be something there for them to look at. And we have mentioned that, and I'm actually working with a, um, a gentleman that's helping me put together a video. Um, on some of the different videos that I've received, pictures of coaches out doing lessons and different things um, that I can put together. So, but yeah, I will reach out to Bruce. Put, put the full court press on me again. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Years ago, we actually uh, involved the students, and they, were, they did little skits, and we had it on uh, uh, QAC. And uh, those were interesting, too. And, you know, with their, with, with their face masks or their social distancing and that sort of thing would be kind of interesting to maybe do some of those. And uh, so I, I think we're going to have a lot of opportunities. And, and the, the main thing is that uh, I think, you know, our, our community said that they wanted character counts. Uh, that was over 20 years ago. And uh, they have supported it. And we've had over a thousand coaches that have come through the years and tens of thousands of students I mean, we have graduated students now that, that have been through the entire uh, school system. Uh, and it's interesting, I don't know, a couple of years ago, there was a couple that, uh, of the students that actually did a proclamation that had actually worked, was in the senior. All 12 years. Yeah, yep, that, that had been through. So uh, 
it's, uh, it's, I think it's important that, uh, to remember and to thank, this is for everyone here and everyone in the community, thank them for the support for the last 20 years and for the support they're giving today, and hopefully that, that'll continue. So. This being said, I want to introduce the group that wrote our proclamation for citizenship. It is our scouts here. Um, it's the troop leader, uh, Mandy Landon, and her daughter, Savannah, um, from Troop 446 in Graysonville, Maryland. Well, Welcome. if you don't mind, I think we'll We're switch places switch. with them as sure. you read the, the proclamation. Again, Absolutely. thank you. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Have a seat. Have a thank seat. You. Have a seat. <laughs> thank you. So I'm Andy Landon. I'm the troop leader of 446. Uh -huh. As she said, this is my daughter, Savannah uh -huh. Landon. Um, she's, we've been in a troop together uh, for six years. This past year, I had um, fourth graders, fifth graders, and sixth graders. Mm. Um, and character counts is a big part of all of, you know, of their daily schedules and lives already. And when Ms. Huber reached out and said, would your troop like to help with this proclamation, I asked my girls, and they were delighted. Um, so they got together, we did um, some Zoom, we did some emails, we did some phone calls, and some live in the neighborhood. And um, they said, let's build into this proclamation uh, the laws and principles of what Girl Scouting is about. Doesn't that fit what citizenship is all about? And they knew right what they were doing, so that's exactly what we did. Excellent. Um, and Savannah is going to tell you a little bit about um, our troop being good citizens and what they've done for the community and what she hopes to keep continuing to do. Well, for six years, we've helped out the animal shelter. We've donated and did things there. And we also helped at, out at a CCAC party in Centerville. And we helped Haven. out at Haven Ministries. We did that for six years, peanut butter, um, jelly drives, and the birthday bribe program. And so the birthday bag program was uh, the Troops Juniors Bronze Award project. So um, in Girl Scouting, as an elementary school student, you can take on a big project and get a medal, a bronze medal, um, and middle schoolers would do silver, and then your high schoolers do a gold, which would be the equivalent of an Eagle Scout. Uh -huh. um, and so they started with their bronze, and they reached out to Haven, and the girls did this on their own on a sleepover. They decided to help the community. How can we help the community? And they said that there were underprivileged children in the community that didn't have birthdays um, or weren't able to celebrate them. They had friends in these circumstances and that they wanted to come up with a way to give them birthday parties hmm. or things to celebrate their birthday with. So they developed the birthday bag program. Um, and that is in partnership with Haven Ministries. So they house all of the bags and goodies that go into them to give children a birthday party, um, like cake mix, candles, cards, a gift if one's available. Great idea. Um, and so Savannah hopes to continue. She's going to take that a level higher. We won't give away what we're doing, but she does want to continue that partnership with Haven and this program and taking it bigger for her silver award or her silver as a middle schooler. Um, but yeah, that's what our troop is about. We reach out to the community and we've found all kinds of ways to help um, and we, we hope to teach the girls how to be a good citizen, how to um, give back when you can. And so 
We thought this was a wonderful opportunity to help write the well, proclamation. We thank you very much. It's, well, I have the pleasure. Needed. Commissioner Moran has given me the pleasure to to read the proclamation. Uh, Graysonville being in my district, I live in Graysonville. Um, proclamation of Girl Scout Troop 466 from Graysonville, Maryland, quarter of the month for July 2020 is citizenship. Whereas Queen Anne's County was declared a character counts community, and whereas all citizens have called upon to embrace the six pillars of character and incorporate them into their daily activities and to mold these traits, and whereas we hold certain responsibilities as citizens of the United States, and whereas citizenship is defined as being vested with the rights, privileges, and duties as citizens and fulfilling your responsibilities, and whereas citizenship is meeting responsibilities in your community, whether it is respecting the environment, serving on a jury, or helping a friend or a neighbor in need, and whereas those responsibilities include doing our fair share to make our community better, trying to help people at all times, and by becoming involved in our community affairs. And whereas all citizens should be friendly and helpful, considerate and caring, courageous and strong, and responsible for what they say and do. And whereas good citizens recognize the importance of democracy, which allows our voices to be heard by elected officials. Whereas citizens should try to stay informed about community issues and all citizens 18 years and older should register to vote accordingly. And whereas good citizens will respect themselves, others, and authority, use resources wisely, and try to make the world a better place. And whereas the act of citizenship demonstrates traits of all six character counts, pillars, and benefits the citizens and the community as a whole. Now, therefore, we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby designate the character counts pillar of the month for July to be citizenship. Great job. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yep. Thank you all. Okay, Commissioners, before we go into our feature presentation from Director Steve Tanley tonight, let's, can we turn to tab 7? We have three ordinances that we could, uh, that are available to be voted on. The first one being ordinance number 2003. Again, that's tab 7. And that one is the timing and development of impact fee collection against uh, and, and the assignment of an administrative fee for the processing of deferred impact fee payments in Queen Anne's County. What number? I don't have 2003. I do. You do? Okay, good. Make a motion. Uh, motion to adopt County Ordinance 2003. Second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have a motion and a second. And this, this one, 2003, is the uh, impact fees, correct? Yes. yes this and is the uh, one that, yes. Long so I don't ago. have. You don't have it either, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. It's the impact and, fees. Yeah, I understand yeah. that, but I had some questions regarding Amy Mordock was I mean, here. How she this, can, she can, was going to apply to it, this is this is where they pay fifty percent up front, twenty five halfway through the project, and then twenty five percent more after at the final. 
completion, yes? Yeah, come on up, yes, that's... Yes, okay. there are two options. There is a payment up front, which isn't being altered. That's the way the code is written. And then there's a stepped payment as option two. And that is you pay 50% up front and you can pay another 25% at a certain inspection threshold and then final payment at the final threshold. So it's a stepped program. And then with that um, tiered payment, there is a 3% processing fee and a requirement to record the lien in the land records, or I'm sorry, record the promissory note in the land records, um, noting that the, this, this required payment. Do we currently charge a 3% um, processing fee for, I mean, do we currently do that now? No, that's new. That is new, and the recordation is new. Both this entire piece of legislation is really meant to incentivize an upfront payment and then to provide a tiered flexibility for a delayed payment, but it's an acknowledgement of all of the administrative work that goes into tracking down and trying to collect the uh, payments when they are in arrears and also to alert property owners to the fact that these payments are due and that these payments are due prior to the issuance of a certificate of occupancy. Do we have wording in here that that excludes commercial contractors, like a, a commercial business, um, a commercial contractor building, you know, a, a mixed-use hotel? I mean, mixed-use commercial apartments with residential, I mean, residential apartments with commercial down below. It just, in other words, these. These commercial developers that we have in our community, are they the problem that, that, that caused this? Or was this just, you, you mentioned residential homeowners find out later that this money's due because the builder of their home didn't pay the fees. I mean, are we seeing this as a problem with our commercial developers in our, in our, in our community here in the county? I can't answer that question specifically. Okay. But I can say that the collection of these fees is problematic. As a matter of fact, um, Vivian Swenson would be here tonight, but she wanted me to let you know that she's there calculating all of the outstanding fees for the fiscal year uh, 20. That generally, uh, in the last fiscal year, there were $100,000 in uncollected fees, and there is a process that she undergoes to try to collect those fees. And it's very time-consuming in terms of reaching out to property owners, whether they're residential or commercial, uh, reaching out to those owners, politely trying to collect the fees, and then going the next level, which is asking our planning attorney to conduct outreach. And usually that goes on for a little while. And then the final step is coming in for a property, um, for a property lien. So the idea here is to incentivize that upfront payment because it's due at some point. Right. Um, and just to So they sign a promissory note or they actually make the payment. So, so if they're making the payment lump sum up front or they're signing a promissory note, are they still subject to that 3% of the project cost? No, not okay. at all. And actually, <clears throat> they wouldn't also be subject to the recordation because there's no need to record a promissory note if you've paid. Okay. And my, my thing is, well, I have two issues with it. First, I think if we're going to um, do the 3% on the back end, we ought to give the people that pay up front 
in full 3% discount because, let's face it, that incentivizes it further to pay at the time of uh, application. The only other thing is is the 3%, I, I, and I felt, and I discussed this when we had our hearing about it at, at the EDC, is that I felt like the 3% should be tallied on the balance owed, not the full balance. Because if you pay 50%, technically you only owe 50%. I'm, I'm saying the 3% should be levied on the 50%, not the full amount. That's all. That's the only thing. I agree. I agree. I just, again, I don't have it here in front of me, so. No, I don't have a problem. Maybe, maybe, we, uh, maybe we just hold off on it until. Why wouldn't we have it in our book? I have Okay. Yeah, I don't have it. You have it, Chris? Well, you, you're digital. Yeah, you get digital guys. We have it, yeah. You don't have Steve, one Steve, you don't have it either? Okay. I, I would just. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to hold it then. Yeah. yeah so if you want to amend that, meeting. we'd have to do, yeah. do an amendment to that if you want to make a change. Well, I, I, I don't want to hold it up. If everybody else is in favor of it as it stands, that's fine. We can you know, do whatever you want with it. But I'm just, that was my reservations with it. I, I, we need it. We, we absolutely need something to collect these uh, yeah. fees no, because it's it's killing us right now. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not completely convinced that I mean, what you have, I mean, of this, um, Amy, with this this dollar amount that Vivian is calculating that we that we have in the rears that people owe us. I mean, is this mostly residential projects? I don't know. Uh, again, you don't know. So I think there's still some I more information yeah, that is, we need in order. To I'll give you an numbers. example of some numbers that I got. Rough numbers I got. Six properties that went in rears was seventy thousand dollars to the county. So it. It adds up quickly, and it can be, mm -hmm. and it can be very cumbersome to the homeowners and/or the business owners. Period. That that may get stiffed by a developer. So the county's getting stiff. The homeowner or the developer owner. Think of the owners on the side. You can be the developer and not be the owner. So I think it protects everybody, including the county, from not getting stiff for the money, which uh, I, I think is the bigger issue right now. I agree. I, I don't. I don't see any. The, the downside is somebody has to upfront some money, but. That's the cost of business, mm -hmm. and that's and I. You know, I have no problem with the fee on it. I just think the fee should be on the other part. But I, and I think we should incentivize the to pay in a full. Well, I think that if that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to table it. Amy, if you don't mind, can you look at what those three percent discounts, if they pay up front, how that would impact the finances, so that when we bring this back in two weeks, know what the fiscal note is. Yeah, we'll know what the fiscal note on that is, and, and that'll great. help. You know, answer some of those questions. Yeah. Did you and, if you, and to Commissioner Dumanel, if you could look at the commercial side versus residential, if there's any uh, you know major numbers there that you could uh, you know thank you give that to us. And yeah, we could potentially you know exclude commercial development. Well, and, from I, and this. I guess that's I mean I'm Actually. and 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 of course <laughs> it, there's there's a possibility that you know I could have egg on my face because. You know, we could have a, an issue with a commercial developer, and then. Well, we didn't have. We <laughs> didn't have. We, but if we, if, this was this was because we were getting we were getting the poop end of, of we weren't not getting paid what we were supposed to be getting paid um, as a county, and then of course the homeowners. So this is this is a great ordinance, but I think it's it's here in front of us to vote on because of not what some of our larger commercial developers are guilty of. So I want to make sure that they're not thrown in to something, if we're just talking about seven or eight residential homes that were built and a couple builders took off and, and didn't, deliberately didn't pay. So I don't want everybody to have to suffer through this be, when they're not guilty of, don't have a track record of having an issue with it. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Great. 
Thank you. Thank you. The third item in terms of the 3% of the remaining 50% of the impact fee, is that something that you're, because I've heard that each time we've discussed it, huh? would that be something you'd want me to bring back in an amended form? Yes. Yes. Yes, on that one. Cause, um, yeah, because we can vote it up or down as an amendment right, and correct. it don't necessarily have to be in there. Yeah. I mean. Just so that if. The 3% if would be on the, the balance. For that one for sure. Uh, we're definitely going to roll with that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. All right. You can stay right there, next. Amy. Um, and next Amy we have next Ken. <laughs> ready to move She's on? She's on the hot seat now. Yep, yeah. ready to move on. County Ordinance 20-05, lot with dimensions and other bulk standards for the I got duplex that. units in Graysonville Neighborhood Conservation District. See, that's funny. I don't have that one. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> we got it. I got it. I don't have that one, Chris. I've got 20-05. 20-05. So. I got the next one. I, oh, there it is. Never mind. I did. Okay. It was all the way at the end. It wasn't next. It wasn't okay. Next. okay right. Yeah, they're not in order. I found it. Okay. I'll make a motion to approve 20-05. Second. We have a motion and a second. Second. Uh, so any discussion on this is simple lot lines? Nope. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. 5-0. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we have County Ordinance 20-09. This is to adjust the carryover of vacation leave for county workers from 520 to 600 hours per year. Motion to adopt County Ordinance 20-09. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. Okay. Now, here's – I have a question for you. Hmm? Wait a minute. Just a minute, as I thought I saw. Uh, county, I have I have 2002 in here. Yeah. Farmland preservation. Yep, I have no? that. Yep, I have that. That was a bonus. We don't we don't need to talk about that. That one's already approved. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we did that one last meeting. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, but <laughs> it's in here again. Okay, just checking, just making sure. Hey, it's reinforcing the issue. Exactly. Okay. The they're not. They're not like. Martini lunches that they're going on. I don't know. Yeah. We have to ask. We're going to find out from Margie. Okay. Where is Margie? Want to get it All right, back to tab number six. Uh, we have uh, our Parks and Recreation Department. We have a proclamation, and then we also have their department update. So, can we get the update Steve before Chandler? we read the proclamation? We yeah, can do whatever. We may not, we may not want to read the proclamation. <laughs> okay, certainly. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. You got it, don't you? Just kidding, brother. Just kidding. Chris has it. Chris has it. Ready? Yep. All right. Proclamation. Designation of July as Park and Recreation Month. It's uh, Proclamation 20-34. Whereas parks and recreation programs are an integral part of communities throughout this country, including Queen Anne's County, and whereas parks and recreations is vitally important in establishing and maintaining the quality of our lives in our communities, ensuring the health of all citizens, and contributing to the economic environmental well-being of community and region. And whereas parks and recreation programs build healthy, active communities that aid in the prevention of chronic disease, provides therapeutic recreation services for those who are mentally or physically disabled, and improves the mental and emotional health of all citizens. And whereas parks and recreation programs increase a community's economic prosperity, through increased property values, expansion of the local tax base, increased tourism, the attraction and retention of business, and crime reduction. And whereas parks and recreation are a fundamental to the environmental well-being of our community. 
whereas parks and natural, natural resources areas improve water quality, protect groundwater, prevent flooding, improve the quality of the air we breathe, provide vegetative buffers to develop and produce habitat for wildlife, and whereas our parks and natural recreation areas ensure the ecological beauty of our community and provide a place for children and adults to connect with nature and recreation outdoors. And whereas the U.S. House of Representatives has designated July as Parks and Recreation Month, and whereas Queen Anne's County recognized the benefits derived from parks and recreation resources. Now, therefore, we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, hereby recognize July as Parks and Recreation Month in Queen Anne's County. Thank you very much. Would you like me to continue on? Proceed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Proceed. Jim stepped Proceed. out. Go ahead. All right. Well, thank you for allowing us to be here for our quarterly update. Um, got a, a quick PowerPoint just to kind of fill you in on some things that have been um, going on the last several months. Um, as we all know, COVID-19 has really taken a hit on what we have done. As you can see, we had to close down fields, pavilions, and playgrounds uh, for a number of weeks. We were basically total, totally shut down in um, activities to the public. Uh, but we still were able to get some projects done with uh, the Maryland Department of Natural Resources program, Open Space. We were able to um, assist with it. Uh, Churchill uh, Southeast Creek acquisition, and we also were able to get the uh, Cross Island Trail repaid with some POS money. Um, some other big projects that are going on and um, hopefully will be completed shortly. Uh, we've got Crumpton Park. Uh, that um, uh, parking lot will be uh, tarred and chipped. It was actually supposed to start uh, July 6th, but they pushed it back about another week or so. As I mentioned before, both the Kent Island South Trail and the Cross Island Trail were repaved during this time. And Blue Heron Golf Cart Path is finally getting paved starting today. So um, even though we've been closed down for, you know, um, for activities to the public, we've been getting some projects done. Some of the other park improvements we made were um, rebuilding some bridges um, on the trails. Uh, we've got uh, some storm, resp uh, storm response. We've got trees that had fallen during... Um, uh, some heavy winds and rains. We also dealt with some um, water issues um, down near Bat's Neck. During this time, we've had staff that um, achieved some service awards, uh, ranging from five years to um, to thirty years. Um, you've got uh, Dave McFarland down at the bottom left with five years. Kevin Peterson with fifteen. Uh, Frank Staggerwall with uh, twenty years. Um, Bob Deaton and uh, Becky Stinkholm, um, both with 30 years. Um, usually there is a big pro you know, program for the service awards, but again, they should still be recognized for their, their service to the county. Um, and again, with the proclamation, July's Parks and Recreation Month, again, we appreciate uh, the support that we get from you guys. During this time, uh, when we were actually working from home, or at least our recreation department was working from home, they all took a training course to be a certified youth sports administrator. Um, so James Miller, Ladarian Blake, Stacy Voorhees, Curtis Blau, and uh, Joan Brooks are all now certified as youth sports administrators. And basically what that will do is that will be able to help them come up with better policies and processes for not only the leagues that we run, but also for the leagues that come to us and help um, move forward with that. 
some programs that we're finally starting to get back into. Uh, we've got adult field hockey. Uh, we've got some outdoor activities that we're trying to schedule for um, late August. We've got a field hockey clinic, outdoor volleyball we're getting ready to start, and flag football. One of the big things that everybody was chomping at the bit was um, when they could get back on the fields. And our artificial turf field use reopened Friday, June 12th. Um, we got hit with a, a lot of requests. Uh, Monday through Thursday evenings uh, were booked up. Um, as you can see, it's 80% lacrosse, 20% field hockey. Um, those groups who had already previously scheduled and we did have to cancel, we credited their account. So um, hopefully they'll be working that off and come back um, to us. For the county leagues, um, obviously the spring and most of the summer leagues were canceled. Fall leagues are, in, are planning. Uh, they're trying to get some scrimmages and games going on. Uh, we have not only got an influx from just county residents, but also outside of the county residents trying to get on our fields because, like, Kent County isn't um, open for, for field use play, and Arundel County wasn't, so we were getting people from both sides. Yeah, there was, um, there was a, a baseball tournament this weekend at Love Point that was actually, they used our fields, but it was hosted or... Um, put on by Kent County. Yeah, they were supposed to have fields up there, and they right. needed one here, and we did some some bartering. Um, tournaments, usually, you know, uh, we all hear about the big uh, lacrosse tournament uh, of Hogan's Lacrosse. They were scheduled to be here um, during, um, actually, this coming weekend. Um, they were able to go back to Anne Arundel County. They felt that that was a, um, a a better venue. We had asked them to do um, uh, certain requirements of, of basically uh, COVID tracing. And um, for whatever reason, I think there was a lot of paperwork and it became a little more cumbersome for the organizer to get all those teams to, to follow suit. So he felt it was better to, to move on. Um, again, we've had multiple requests for you know smaller tournaments, like uh, Commissioner Dumanel was saying, the um, uh, round robin baseball tournament. Um, we've got another one scheduled potentially in September. Again, trying to keep some sort of normalcy during um, uh, June. We continued with our regular scheduled sports league meeting, but we did it virtually um, because we knew at some point in time when things opened up, people wanted to jump right into the fields right away. So we were telling folks that we will go ahead and have the meeting, give us your schedule just like it's going to start, and wherever we get the go-ahead, that's where we'll pick up. And luckily we did because we're, uh, we were ahead of the curve on that one. Um, some policy and procedure changes. Really the, the, the big thing about that is um, how teams are supposed to, to follow um, uh, COVID, basically COVID rules. Uh, for lack of a better term, um, that they have to screen their players, keep that information, let us know if anybody tests positive, so then we in turn can um, contact Dr. Ciatola and make sure that we do the, pro the proper tracing backwards and making sure that that team doesn't come back on the field until um, you know everybody is negative. Uh, one of the things with updated policies is uh, beginning in September, First, we're going to do all of our turf field rentals. We're going to do them by either credit or debit, and that will speed up the whole process of getting folks to um, get in and out. Um, again, as you all know, uh, we had the fireworks celebration on July 1st. went off extremely well, in, in our opinion. Um, I think Zambelli's did an awesome job, heard a lot of good things, and um, <clears throat> we're looking forward to, uh, to next year coming up.
park projects. Uh, obviously, the, um, the COVID, you know, had had some impact on what we could and couldn't do. Um, again, basically, we had uh, large usage numbers. Um, even when playgrounds and pavilions were closed, you know, we had an, obviously an inordinate amount of, of use and trash. Um, but, you know, we've been able to um, get that better under control. White Marsh Park in Bloomfield, we've got the edible trail. Um, that has been planted. Um, a kiosk sign has been installed, and disc golf has actually taken off um, in the last uh, couple of months. Um, we've also been trying to um, work with um, the, the Mebe Foundation. Uh, Conquest Preserve, they also had an edible garden installed with uh, more than 20,000 native tree seedlings planted. Um, let's see what else. We also assisted with the Maryland's uh, Watermen's Association, and uh, we took out all the old um, landscaping um, hues that were uh, surrounding the, uh, uh, the monument. Um, our staff did that. Um, we assisted with um, setting up a contractor to come in and to um, remove um, some of the, the material to, to fix the brickwork, to uh, take care of the drainage, and then replant um, there, and it looks... Uh, it looks really good at, at this particular time. Blue Heron Nature Preserve, uh, again, we did field, field spraying and um, seeding of more than 90 acres. Um, it's been, you know, that, that area has taken off. We did some tree planting, if you look at that, uh, that third picture up there. So we've gotten some volunteers to assist with that. Again, this is a picture of our uh, park um, signage kiosk. We've developed a standard um, that is consistent. We're um, a, putting them along certain points along the Cross County Connector and the Cross Island Trail, uh, which, will, which will say where public parking is, accommodations for food and restroom facilities. Uh, again, July 1 was a big day for the, uh, uh, for the public landings. Uh, Roman Coke and Mattapique Fishing Piers uh, went to a sunrise to sunset um, work hour, so to speak. Um, we also changed the pay machine to 250 an hour. Um, as you can see, the two um, uh, samples of the tickets, you know, it's nice big bold letters, the date that it expires, and also the time that expires. Um, that has been working out well. And now that um, these receipts are only good at the site that they purchase, where before you could transfer between Roman Coke and Mattapique as long as you were within that 24 hour time period. So we've kind of simplified that and made it uh, site-specific. Again, with marina management, unfortunately, we've, uh, in some of our slips, we've had some boats that had sunk, and we've had to stay on top of the uh, slip holders to uh, follow up and clean up, and uh, eventually they have uh, some of the public landing projects. You can see the finger piers where we replaced the boards, made them more sturdy, um, and, and got them up to uh, snuff. Public landings, again, Corsica River, we've heard a lot about that. And on the June 23rd meeting that was here, the bid was awarded to, to Rain Nornes Incorporated for dredging services. Um, the Bay Bridge Airport, fortunately, they operated pretty much uh, as normal. Um, they did not shut down at all. Uh, FAA is going to proceed with all their projects as scheduled. Um, they just completed their annual state licensing inspection. And their current focus is on uh, repainting the runway markings and installing a larger lit windsock. Golf course, um, that had modified operations during um, 
the early part of COVID, at one point in time, it was um, you had to walk the course. Um, we slowly brought the, um, the carts back on board, wiping them down, um, establishing a procedure for that. Obviously, the camps and classes were, were uh, canceled. The clinics um, have gone on. And um, strangely enough, the play has picked up. They've been, they think at this time last year, we've got more rounds played. So that's a, that's a good thing. And then, as I mentioned earlier about the, the back nine cart path being paved. And then lastly, I'm sure the, as I say, the topic of the day, <laughs> the capacity of uh, Mattapeak, Terrapin Nature Reserve, and Ferry Point Park. Um, that has um, obviously been um, a, a big, big project for us. Um, it has taken its, its toll on us as well as we have everybody from myself on down working at some point in time during the weekends to, to cover um, the capacity issues and get things organized. Um, we've got a pattern down now, um, but it, I will say it's about 16 staff people per weekend. Um, uh, we've, you know, collected trash, we've gotten people in, you know, in order. So we've, um, you know, we're managing that process and Fortunately, it has, um, it has gone well without, without incident as far as dealing with the public. Um, you know, put on a, a good public face for us, not only for newcomers coming to the county, but also for citizens seeing that the you know, county parks and recreation staff is out there. And um, that has been a, a big plus for us as well. Before we take a deep dive into this conversation, I, just, I had some questions for you at this moment. Um, the Crumpin Walking Trail up at the park. Where yes. are we at on that? Are we moving forward with that, or we had a, there was a farm lease that was put out, so the guy has oats. So once the oats are rye comes up, then we'll stick up good. Yeah, because I was like, oh, was it a hunting lease up there, or was it was just a farm lease? There was a, there was a hunting lease, lease, right? But there's also a farm okay, lease. Okay, and did we finish paving the parking lot up there? Or? They were supposed to start July 6th, but they pushed to the, the latter part of the month. Okay, that's all I got off this topic. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's actually our update for the last several months. I'm sure there's more questions and <laughs> comments. Who's going to tee it up? So it, let's talk about the capacity issues right. at the parks. So, um, I have something. No, I'm just saying. So we're going to move. We're going to move from the designation of July of Parks Recreation Month to the Department of Parks Recreation update. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So the. Um, how quickly are we reaching the reduced capacity that we have there? Like, what time do they start? Are they lining up at well, we 7.30 in the morning? morning or, huh? The reduced numbers that we pass around an email has not been voted on. Right, but I'm just curious. 700, say, at Terrapin. Oh, okay, okay. So the okay. 700 at Terrapin, the weekends that I worked, um, I worked uh, not this past, but the two before, usually by 11 or 11.30, we were at capacity. Capacity. And that's for Terrapin. And that's fairly consistent for both Terrapin and Mattapeak as well. Ferry Point hasn't reached capacity yet. What numbers are we seeing at Fair Point? About 120, 130. I think we peaked um, maybe maybe 150. Um, I think it was Sunday for a little bit. But that seems to be more or less people go for just a little bit of time and come out. So that's being more used as just sort of as its intended purpose of more of a nature preserve. People walk, they see it. And Yes and no. Okay. You still, we still have to contend with people bringing tents and coolers and fishing rods and 
you know, the whole day-long activity package that they're bringing. Are they, do we have a fishing issue at Ferry Point? There's supposed to be no fishing. Supposed to be no fishing. Correct. So when we're at 700, what's your estimate on people that are actually on the beach and, you know, versus walking around the park itself? Are all 700 sitting on the beach or, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of activity in the other parts of the park going on too. We have several that come in through the main entrance and they want to use the trail. But we just, we hold the 700 once we hit capacity, once we're... Right, so you, that's what I'm saying. 700 is the whole park at that point. Yeah. Okay, because I think some people have the misnomer that we're 700 on the beach. With, yeah. That's not the case. The whole park capacity is 700. But the whole park itself is 275 acres. Right. We have three miles of oyster shell path throughout the whole park. And then you have the Cross Island Trail, which is six miles that people go in and out of constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a rough estimate of people on the beach, maybe 400 over a almost half-mile stretch of sand. Well, I think what exasperates the appearance of it to a lot of people when they drive up around Log Canoe is obviously the parking on Log Canoe. Um, and the, the parking lot there is way undersized for the park. We all know that. Um, but I think that's where people are getting this idea that the beach has just got all these people on it. But typically I'm, I'm thinking a lot of people are using the nature preserve now and again I'm, I'm i'm against them taking coolers and all that down there because an eight hour stay on a nature preserve beach is not what that's intended for so again that's something i guess we're going to talk about as to whether we need to limit some of that stuff coming in through the front gates going down there plus it gives up more people the opportunity to enjoy the park if you're not going down there for eight hours and taking up that capacity of say a family of four you're in there for two hours using the park for what it's intended for, and then you're out so some more people can come in and enjoy some time in there, whatever the case may be. I mean, that's just the way I'm seeing Terrapin. And, again, I was, if they're coming into Terrapin, they want to go to the beach, I'd say go to Mattapique. That is our beach. And if it's over capacity, then we don't have another beach in Queen Anne's County. I mean, that's the long and short of it. There also is a picnic area at Terrapin, and there's an area yeah, where big you area can grill. Yeah. So, again, there is a, a certain point where you have to allow coolers Provided I got you. that they okay. get to, to get to, to that, that point, and it, it is early in the trail. I mean, it's yeah. it is it's early. Right there it's the before first... you even get to the exactly. Yeah, I just think we need to reduce the capacity down further right now during COVID from where we are. <clears throat> More so than, than the cooler issue is getting that number down lower, and then I think it's a little bit easier to manage what people are bringing in. And... I mean, we're 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 generally getting a, just a trying to remember some of the numbers that that you've sent us already 900 like 900 you know for so you're still having two or three hundred people above and beyond the 700 coming and going but what i I will say and that we need to keep in mind those numbers that you get are for a 24-hour period right Right. they're not 700 at 11 o'clock that are coming in to beat down the door to get into the park Oh, okay so it's you know it's six people at six o'clock in the morning. It's twenty people at eight thirty. It's forty people at nine thirty. It's you know a hundred people at eleven o'clock. And you know with that hundred that goes in, you got twenty that come out. You know so so there is a balancing act of, of coming and going. But still, but still you're you're correct. There's still a lot of people. By eleven o'clock, you're you're it's two in, two out, four in, uh, four right. out, four in. Yeah, it's not equal. Right. It's not equal. And so set, you're at is 8.30. You're at 700 by 11 o'clock is what you're saying. Yeah. You're turning then, people away, right? I'm shutting okay. the gates. We've physically right. shut the gates, and we've yeah. been parking a vehicle in front of it. So that way it's kind of like a crowd control. Gives you a, you know, a little bit of a 
presence, I guess. They see the county vehicle sitting there, so they know that something's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so we have one person who's watching the exit because the people who go early, you know, they're usually in the lot. So that group, it's usually like the little kids wear out by 11, 30, or 12, and they're ready to go home and take a nap. So someone's, when the car comes out, physically asking or counting, if it's like a minivan you can't see, they're asking how many people in the car, and then that many people go back in. Sure. And they're going home to take naps. So, so look, I think one of the things about this, what the capacity is, is an interesting question, because to me it's not just a linear measure of beach feet divided by the number of people, because... It's the amount of porta potties, the distance to them, your ability to pick up litter. There are a lot of things that I think enter into the correct amount of people on a beach, not just the square feet. Right. If you can't pick the litter, if you can't get them to porta potties, you've got a different calculation. And I have a feeling we're probably high on this calculation because I think it's mostly runoff, linear feet. But this is for us to decide. Well. Let me, since we're, we're having this discussion, I want to I read a letter uh, to the public that came today because I think this bears on our conversation. Dear county leaders, while, and this came from Governor Hogan, while states across the country and in our region are experiencing spikes and outbreaks, Maryland's key COVID-19 health metrics continue to, to decline. However, we are closely monitoring some concern, concerning trends, including increasing infection rates among young people in which what goes to that beach majority. The positive rate among young Marylanders under the age of 35 is now 84% higher than Maryland 35 and older. An increasing number of COVID-19 cases have been connected to noncompliance with public health requirements, particularly in bars and restaurants. Businesses that fail to comply with the state's orders put their customers and employees at grave risk and just jeopardize our safe, effective, and gradual recovery. At least 12 states have already moved to reclose bars and restaurants. We do not want to be forced to take the same action here in Maryland. Under Executive Order 20-06-10-01, which was issued on June 10th, and the accompanying directives from the Maryland Department of Health, bars and restaurants are open for seated service only with physical distance and capacity restrictions. Customers must be seated at least six feet apart from other guests. Standing and congregating in bar areas is strictly prohibited. And again, I, 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 you know, we have the same issue on our beaches and in some of our parks. All staff must wear face coverings while working and interacting with customers. For facilities with booths, every other booth must be closed. No more than six people may be sit at a table. The vast majority of bars and restaurants in our state are in compliance, but for some are flagrantly violating the law and endangering public health. You have the responsibility to enforce these laws. Violators should be warned, fined, have actions taken regarding their licenses or closed if necessary. Local health departments, local liquor boards and inspectors, and local law enforcement agents must work together to ensure public health is protected. Our continued economic health and recovery depend on the active and aggressive local enforcement for these critical public health measures. We cannot allow a small segment to violate the blah, blah, you know. So, so he's talking about that, and, and I will say that I think that in, in the report that you have here, we're looking at 80% outside of Queen Anne's County is the bare minimum. I think it's actually more. 80% mm -hmm. is outside of Queen Anne's County. I will tell you right now in the Kent Narrows, Annie's restaurant is closed until Friday because somebody tested positive for COVID. The jetty is closed until Friday. Uh, somebody tested positive there also. 
And I frequent these locations a lot. And I know that there is a great deal of people coming from outside of Queen Anne's County to these establishments. And, and I'm not saying they could or could not be, but the odds say differently, that they could very well be what's causing here. So when it comes to our, our, our beaches and our parks, even though only 80, or, or excuse me, even though there's no more than 20% Queen Anne's County residents, should we just, for this present time, close the parks until further notice where we're having these large numbers? And that's the question I pose to this fine group of men and women, Margie. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's something we need to think about. I mean, we, we had passed out, I, I sent out an, uh, an email and asking for using those baseline numbers, 250, 200, and 700, and what the different reductions would be. And we had responses anywhere from 30 to 40%. And, you know, to Commissioner Wilson's point, you know, there is. There, there's only, you know, one or two port johns uh, you know, and, and there's a large group. You know, they come in groups and they come in vans and they show up and, and you know, again, you know, the two of the locations are supposed to be nature preserves and they're coming in with coolers and that's an issue that we wanted to address, coolers, fishing rods, and like they're camping out and that's not what these parks were designed for and and, and or to facilitate. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what we should do, but I'm open for discussion and, and comments. I mean, I do at the bare minimum think we should reduce. Yeah, and, and I think to, to the point about the porta pots, that's, that responsibility falls on us. I mean, if, if we're allowing a capacity of 700, we have to have the porta pots available for 700. I mean, that's, that's not, we can't use that as an excuse to close the parks or reduce capacity. If we're allowing 700, we have to provide. Well, I don't enough. know about that because, again, that's a nature preserve. Are we requiring any kind of state statute that says a nature preserve has to have X amount of bathrooms no matter how many people walk through? Because they're not supposed to be hanging out there, they're supposed to be. Traveling through and and uh, right. If if you have somebody, first of all, I just want to so everybody understands is Queens County. In ordinary times, we love having people come to absolutely. this county right. and hosting them at our parks, at our restaurants, using the water. You know, launching the boats here. That is that is what we want, and that's what we try to go for. This is a different time, unfortunately. Correct. And it's and it's very troubling because it's it's hurting our businesses quite a lot, and our citizens are being impacted by it as well. Um, to your point, the port parties normally with a nature park, you would go, you, you know, you'd walk around, ride a bike or something like that. You're not there, probably even you, most people would avoid using a port a Absolutely. So you're going to go run. maybe an hour and a half, two hour walk, and you might not need to use the port potty When this is becoming the base camp and you're there all day long for recreational activity, Facilities get, get used, and, and so I think in ordinary use of a nature park, having a few porta potties is probably sufficient for what we have. If you have five or six hundred people that are coming for four, five, six hours, all day event, right? That, but, that's a different story. And I think that that's so, where yeah. your problem is coming in is the fact that you do you have people that are coming, they're camping out for the day, and I agree with you one hundred percent. So, but we know that, so we can't put our heads in the sand and say we don't know that. We know that. So if we know those people are staying there for five, six hours and we're accommodating them, we need to put the services there for them is right. what I'm saying. Either, either increase the services or you've or, got to reduce, reduce the capacity. capacity. They're allowed to be there. Or, or reduce right. capacity. Right. We've got, we got to sort of find an equilibrium there. Just, just a little point of clarification. We do have five porta pods 
scattered throughout the um, terrapin nature area. Okay. So it's not just the two that you see or the one or two that you see up at the very front of the park. We have several right along that. Um, that walking that path, path that runs parallel path. with the beach. Correct. <clears throat> and they are cleaned uh, Tuesday. Every other day. Yeah, every other day. We have our... So we've ramped that up because last time we spoke, it was right. Friday and Monday they were pumped right. out. We've changed. We've changed. Tuesday, we've actually changed numbers. Them. Tuesday, Thursday. Sunday. And, and I, I don't want what we're saying to sound critical of what you guys are doing because you guys have really stepped up and by by increasing the staffing there, by increasing the porta potty cleaning, by increasing trash pickup. I mean, we really have we, tried we have come to manage the situation. Way. So nothing. I mean, I got praise for you guys for what you're doing, and that's that's not at least where I, that's not where I'm coming from on this. So I, I want to make sure that's clear because I. I I love everything you guys are doing. You're really trying. You've gone above and beyond. I know Steve you drove all the way from your house first thing in the morning on a Sunday to take pictures and tell me, like, this is what we're seeing. I mean, it, it doesn't go unnoticed, the effort that you guys are putting forth. But I, I still think we have a situation that needs to be managed. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, we have two separate problems here. We have two parks that are nature trails, preserves, and not beaches that are being used as beaches for swimming and fishing. Mm-hmm. And then the other problem we have is the, the amount of uh, the volume of, of visitors coming here is more than these facilities can handle. So, you know, and, and uh, you know, Queen Anne's County, and the governor made this, he announced this on Saturday, I believe, it was a Sunday. You know, we have a 200 and, what was, this, what was the spike? 200, 257%. 257%? Yeah. 257% spike in positive here. And now that could positivity. be... Positivity. Positivity, yes, correct. So, I mean, that's... That could be a multitude of issues, but I mean, there, there's ones that we can control, and this is one that we can control. So, well, what, so, so, um, Commissioner Moran, when you talk about reductions to numbers, so what would you go from 700 to? Well, the, you know, the original we had was 30 or 40 percent, and I'm 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 fine with with uh, you know the 40 percent, uh, you know, or you know, again, I'm fine if if the numbers either COVID. I mean, we haven't had anybody come up to us yet at least that I know of, and I guess Dr. Ciotola is trying to gather that information, contact tracing, to say that I got COVID from, uh, from Mattapee right, Beach. Right. So we haven't had that instance yet, and I don't know that it doesn't mean it hasn't happened, just nobody has come forward to say that's what's going on. So I think to make it more manageable, uh, reducing it by, f- by 40% right now and, and, and walking it back up versus what we did is we started just the other way around. It's open. They flooded it, we cut it back to a number, and now we're cutting it back again. So maybe in hindsight, you know, again, we're, we're all learning this. We should have started off with a smaller number and walked our way up. But uh, that's yesterday's news. So my thought about this is pretty much utterly parallel to yours. I think 30 40% more, we really need to do that. Secondly, as for closing them, if we start to see our hospitalizations walk up, ICUs walk up, the situation in Florida or Texas gets so illustrative of what's happening that we need to move pre, pre, you know, preactively. I would move then on that, but I wouldn't take that step until some of those conditions. But I think right now 40% is great with me. Okay. If our director agrees to that and Mr. Watson. I mean, we can yeah. we can manage it. Just let us I know what you what you guys agree upon. You manage so it. I think this makes it easier <coughs> for you to manage it. Sure, because it's reducing 
reducing the, the end of the day impact on us. I mean, that's, that's true. Let me, let me ask this question. Do you all think that there's going to be such a stack up of people that it's going to lead to some kind of problem? I have no idea. You know, we're going to have so many people waiting to come in or stacked up. Is, is there any unintended consequences here we're missing? I think... I think people understand that they have to wait, and I think we have to thank Sandy Point for that because right. they've been trained that way. Right. And when we have asked them to wait in line, you know, it has gone without incident. Um, and, and to that point, I believe is correct me if I'm wrong, but Sandy Point is at a 50 percent capacity. And they somebody, are, somebody told me they, they are reduced closing their it. numbers by 50 percent. Okay. And you know, to, so they have the social distancing, right. and I think that's one of the influxes that we're getting. Is yeah. you know, and they're closed by 9:30, Jim. Right. They're at capacity by 9.30. Well, I, I went, so. Those two, cars line up early. Two Saturdays ago, I was crossing at 6.15 <laughs> in the morning, and those they were backed up a mile. Can't wait to get in there. Does this take a motion? Yes, it does. All right. Yes. So I so move that at this point we downsize our capacity numbers by 40% and keep an eye out for closing the beaches if circumstances uh, argue that way. Second. So we have a motion and a second. Do you want to? Yes. I, I, I just wanted to modify Mattapique since it is our only true beach to 30% and keep the other two. The preserves at 40, but take Mattapique to 30 because it is a beach and people are staying there all day. That's the only thing I looked at is maybe that'll push more people down there. That's. So we do have So you want to amend your motion to 30% for Mattapique and 40% for yes, the preserve? Very point. I hereby. Okay. You're good with that for your I'm second? I'm good with that. And I think. Okay. We've had some stationed down at Mattapique, and they've been directing people to the overflow parking when the main parking is filled, so the side roads are not clogged right. up now. If there's an emergency, emergency personnel can get by. It have seems to be managing that yeah. one. Have they stopped parking at, at Sunny Schultz? Weren't they parking they in the parking business park? And now they're being redirected. Okay. Well, I, I, I got to give kudos to the security company you hired. I mean, I think they've done an outstanding job. Public security? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I just think that... I have to thank the sheriff yeah, for that. They yeah, I mean, that was that was a great call. I mean, I, I went through there three or four times. They were very cordial. It was hot out there. Yeah. Uh, and I just think that, you know, Barry and his team did a, a, yeah. a great they're engaging job. engaging people, and they're, yep. and they're getting good... People are being receptive to the message. Well, while we're on the topic of that, um, they were initially hired for three weekends. Three weekends has come and gone, so we need to make a decision whether we want to continue with that or... You know, go ahead and let us manage it. Well, I think we're going to, I think if we're going to reduce our numbers, yeah. we should probably have them stay on. Yes. Just to see what, what happens with those reductions. I think we parallel until such time as we take the capacities back to the normal. I mean, I think we need to provide the security so, and we've got to have capacity control for that time. So. And, I, and I'm good with that. Uh, you know, Steve, if you could send to all the commissioners what this is costing in an email. Okay. Just you give us some breakdowns and some numbers. <laughs> I don't want Jonathan to have a stroke downstairs. Yeah. No, we're we're going to use CARES money, right? We're using the CARES money. CARES oh, security. Yeah. Security. Still yeah. like to know. Still like it's to know because next team, year yeah. you never know. Yeah, this it's is definitely CARES team, yeah. COVID related, so. That's correct. Yeah. 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 Forgot about but it's, it's important to track it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you, would you still like that? I mean, we're, we're I keeping it tracked on. I still would like it, yeah. Yeah. I still would like to know because, you know, there's going to come a time when we're going to have to make some decisions on what we do with these three parks. Right. And if we do, no one see or whatever the case may be, we. You know, that's, that's going to be a point. Okay, so we have a motion on, on the, the floor for a reduction at Mattapique of 30%. Second. From 250 and a reduction of 40% for Ferry Point, which is 200 right now, and 
uh, Terrapin, which is 700 right now, will, will both be reduced by 40%. We have a motion and a second. Any other discussion? Just point of clarification, are we, are we reducing to 40% or reducing by 40%? By, reduced by, by 40%. 40%. By 40%. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, so 60% of existing, of what it's at. Correct, yeah. yes. Yeah, I understand okay. what you're saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Uh, and before we just, so that people know, because we had talked about residency restrictions in the past, which was subject to, because this program open space, it was subject to DNR. We've gone back and forth with DNR absolutely. since that. We've tried to push the edges a bit with DNR to get some, some COVID recognition of, of how we need to protect these areas, but we've met a lot of resistance. Um, and uh, including stern warnings that uh, if program open space is violated, it could force us to have to do payback money. And so the people know this is millions of dollars that have used program open space for our facilities. Um, and since we've just had to cut our budget by over $8 million, that's really not in the budget to do that. And, <laughs> and, and just to that point, that I'm holding a letter we received from DNR with, with regard to whether or not DNR will allow residency restrictions to continue, the department has made it clear that we believe resident restrictions are a violation of project open space policy. You know, therefore, restricting access based on residency would be viewed as non-compliant with project open space policy and your POS grant agreement. So, you know, we have we have tried what we can, and the state has come back to say no. So, this is what we're down to now to keep things we safe. Didn't, we didn't go without a fight. And yeah. Right, and to that point, yeah. right, yeah, we, we knew as commissioners the, what right. hung there with the Project Open Space, but right. we were trying to use COVID as a, as a means to say, hey, these are trying times. <laughs> we're trying to do whatever we can to keep our county safe, and um, we were not successful, but we gave it a try. There it is. Okay, so getting back to this, we have a motion and a second. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Oh, well, I got you guys, too. So I know it's uh, the wharf is Centerville, but I've gotten some complaints about the parking down there. I know. At Centerville? But yeah, down here at the wharf. Yeah. Uh, the, um, they park people parking in the boat trailer parking and then the boat trailers are out on coming down there and they're on both sides of the road and you can literally get one car by if you're lucky uh on saturdays so oh you're I talking about up here at the, uh, the, the wharf the wharf that's yeah that's not ours that's no, i know it's centerville but we take care of the landing so landing's ours and yeah yeah landing. the landing's ours landing is ours yeah does that mean we have to manage landing, it? Landing all the boat slips that whole thing is our our show yeah but not the parking lot Centerville is the one that laid on the no trailers in the parking lot, so they think they have jurisdiction. But they've got, but they've got it striped for trucks and trailers in the parking lot. It's got the, you don't have the middle really stripe. Yeah. The main parking lot is I think it, I think it's a mess too. I'm not, you know. It is. It's hard when you go down. I went down uh, this past Saturday when I tried to get down through there, and there was a large, wide boat trailer down there with one well, directly I mean, across from it, and I got my truck through there, but you weren't getting another car coming the other way. If you had emergency vehicles or something with oncoming traffic, it would be an issue. It, so it, either it, they need to mark them on one side of the road only, but they can't park on both sides. I mean, it literally cuts it down. I don't, I'm not sure if there's any signage that says no parking. I don't know. I don't know. Whose road is that? 
That's us. It's a town street to the bridge, and then beyond right. the bridge on the other side, as you're going out, it's us. Walking That's right. it's us. Is that where so they're parking it's, it's on the other side of the bridge? They're parking all the way up there. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, they're so literally. We, we, can, we can look yeah, at the signage and adjust Yeah, we'll that. put signs, no parking yeah. on one side or the other. We'll pick it and be done with it. Yeah. yeah. The okay. bridge is the only place they don't park. There you go. I saw <laughs> I saw one on the bridge. On the bridge? Oh, yeah. Mm. Really? Wow. Glad I missed that one. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. That's all we had, Commissioners. We have uh, press and public comments. If anybody is uh, out there uh, or anybody on Zoom. You got anybody, Bruce? Nope. I think we're clear. Excellent. So, roundtable. Roundtable. Uh, Mr. Wilson, the yep. junior statesman. I'll go first. Um, first, I want to congratulate and thank all my fellow commissioners for voting to keep the fireworks going. It was very well received. Got a lot of compliments about sticking to our guns and having a firework. So, kudos all around. We, uh, we've had a rough couple weeks, so that's something, uh, one feather in our cap. Um, something I wanted to talk about um, that came out, I, was, I had two z large Zoom meetings this week. One was with MAKO, with all the legislative. Um, it was kind of an update session, but we had Secretary Brinkley in, who's, uh, for those that don't know, he's the uh, Secretary for the Budget for the state. And uh, just short of slitting my wrist halfway through it, based on his projections and his predictions, I mean, it... It's really hard to say. Hopefully tomorrow there's, they get a lot of envelopes with a lot of cash come into the state because uh, there, there's a lot of things on the table that are kind of uh, concerning to the county, and I don't know. I've shared it with a couple of uh, my colleagues. But one of the things they have on there is a $140 million um, unallocated fund, county fund, um, which is being interpreted as probably being county uh, income tax dollars coming back to the county. Um, and based on the SDET numbers, yada, 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 um, Queen Anne's could be on the hook for about $2 million if they were to cut that. So um, we just talked about not being able to pay for the project open space. I don't think we can pair $2 million more out of the budget this year um, based on some of the stuff that they're predicting. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on. I know that the governor has cut with the Board of Public Works. They've cut over $470 million, but the estimate is that they need to get for next year's budget about $2.1 billion. Um, and that's they've got a long way to go from where they're at right now. So it remains to be seen. Um, Secretary Brinkley said no cuts are off the table, which means um, just about every program at the state level that's not mandated is available to be cut and or have funding cut, not completely cut, but probably reduced. So... Something for all mail earners to watch for the next probably six months. Like I said, hopefully tomorrow, buckets of cash roll into Annapolis. Um, the other uh, meeting I was on was with the Rural Maryland Council. Um, and one thing that came up was interesting, and I will be amazed if it happens, but uh, Kendrick Gordon from the governor's office on uh, broadband uh, did a presentation. They're talking about they are going to, because of the uncertainty with where the schools are in terms of how, what school is going to look like in the fall, um, one of the things that they've done proactively in the state, which I give them kudos for, uh, is they have rolled out what's going to become a statewide education wireless network, which will reach from Garrett County to Ocean City to uh, the tips of Kent County and throughout the state, all the way to Southern Maryland. And what it'll be able to do is it'll provide hotspots and education, um, local login for just about every student. They say they're going to hit about 98% of the student population. This will not be for your home broadband. This will not be for anything else. This is to strictly use for education purposes. Um, it's a great idea. 
Uh, I think the date they're targeting to have it up and operational is August 15th. So like I said, that is kudos if they can get that done in uh, 30 days from tomorrow. So, um, but I think they're under the gun to do it because of the uncertainty with the schools. I guess depending on what kind of hybrid thing comes out of the next couple of weeks of talking um, with the schools, and I'm assuming Commissioner Corcorino is going to give us an update on that. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it's great if the state can do it. Um, it kind of makes you wonder, though, if we can do that in 30 days and get broadband to every kid in the state, why don't we well, all have broadband be. already, right? But anyway, um, and that was it. That's all I had. Very good. Mr. Wilson, the senior statesman. Well, if they can get broadband to every kid, I'm going to enroll in school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My own hotspot. Uh, I think I've said all I had to say tonight. Very good. Please carry the torch. Thank you. Commissioner Nothing. Okay. Commissioner Corcorino. Yeah. So, um, first of all, to all of our uh, citizens of French descent, uh, happy Bastille Day, including ah. Commissioner Moran. Um, and that was very French. Oh, that, exactly. Well. So, Philippe. go, go and, and celebrate. Um, I think one of the things I wanted to start off with saying is that one thing I've appreciated from working with all of you guys is that we spend a lot of time that maybe people don't realize this a lot of time deliberating and trying to be fair to everybody in this county and taking everybody in this county's um, thoughts and concerns into consideration and it's not easy to always balance that out um, and we have to make decisions and and you're not going to like everything every decision we make but Fairness has always been something that I've seen everybody up here trying to make sure that we're, we're looking at. Um, so I, I just think it's important, you know, on Bastille Day, when, uh, you know, the people rose up to find fairness for themselves and acknowledge that, that that is a priority for us and it will continue to be a priority. So if you don't like everything we do, I hope when you look on balance at everything that we do, you think we're fair um, and have the best interests of the county. It is a character counts pillar as well. It's a character counts pillar. So I, I think that's sort of, but you might not get quick responses for us to everything. It doesn't mean we're ignoring issues, um, but we're going to be fair and deliberate in what we do. And I think that's an important point. And, 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 and I'll actually take back a couple seconds of my time and just reiterate the fact that it, it is. People send us emails, and again, we talked about this earlier. In, a, in, a, in an age where, because of technology, people can get answers and information like this, um, a lot of the times we don't necessarily respond right away because there's information and facts um, and folks that we need to see and talk to before we can respond. So, again, just to reiterate Commissioner Corcorino's point, just because we don't respond right away doesn't necessarily mean we're not working on it. Right. And, and getting to solutions to problems also takes time. Um, speaking of which, you know, this week, uh, Commissioner Moran and myself met with Secretary Slater from Maryland Department of Transportation um, to, again, express the concerns that the county residents have and, and Commissioner Moran's long, you know, battle that he's been struggling to address beach traffic. And I think we have now somebody at the Maryland Department of Transportation who is a lot more receptive mm -hmm. to our concerns and thinking creatively. Um, you're still going to have traffic this Sunday. So he does not have a magic <laughs> wand. That's not going to uh, go away. Right. There are, we're, we're, as long as I've been here, since, you know, over 30 years, we've had traffic problems. We just keep trading what it's for. But he is working on some ideas that hopefully the future will be able to share more. Um, but I think there's some promise, and uh, definitely we're getting attention that we weren't getting in the past. So 
It's yes. a little bit cryptic, cryptic. I hope you know people see the, you know, the hope in that. Um, we also met with the uh, representative of uh, Board of Education um, today uh, about kids getting back to school. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not optimistic that our kids will be back to school full time this fall. Um, they shared with us a lot of the struggles and the work that they're going through to try to figure out how do they safely do this. Um, I think more kids can get back to school than maybe what was initially projected. I know that they're reevaluating more. They have some constraints on them by CDC guidelines that they think they need to follow. Um, and what one of the overarching concerns or points that we made to them in our meeting earlier is you need to get out what you're going to do to the parents as soon as possible because they have to make a tough decision, and we're not going to agree probably. Um, but the most important thing is get that information out to the parents as soon as possible so the parents can make the decisions that they need to make. Some parents will choose to just, if they're going to have their kids at home anyhow, just to homeschool them. Some parents are going to choose to take their kids out and send them to a private school. Um, some parents might want to keep them enrolled in the public schools, but they don't want them to go back. And we have to make sure that the parents have a choice in how their kids are educated, but get the information to the parents as soon as possible so that they can make those informed decisions. So we press that upon them. I, I think they understand that, and I understand that it's not that they have their plan, they're just sitting on it, right? They, they are reevaluating it, meeting with their teams, and trying to come up with something better. So, And the survey they sent out, too, the, the three options and choices to try to get some feedback from parents right. who have kids in the school system. You know, my, my personal opinion is that I think our kids need to be back in the fall in some format, even if it's a hybrid. You know, you, know, you have an A week and a B week. Again, I think it's for, for, for a large amount of the students, uh, especially in the middle school and the high school levels, that classroom format, that, that condition is, is important. These are critical years in, in learning because are they going to go to college? Are they going to, what career are they going to choose? I mean, I just think that, that they, a lot of the information that was shared with the Board of Ed it's my hope that they take all that information into consideration and listen to what the parents want as well. So for those of us that have not been privy at all to the Board of Ed, what is your, your guys' sense of what the drift of what they want to do is? Um, I think there will be for elementary school A, B classes. So some kids will go Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday will be sanitation day at school. Um, and then Thursday, Friday will be the B group. And so when gotcha. you're, when you're in person, it's in the in-person instruction. On the other days, there may be a, a live streaming for those who are at home. Um, I hope it sounds like they're they're looking at for the other grades above elementary school to also have some sort of structure like that yeah. as well. Um, busing is a big issue. So some parents, if you can take your kids to school and drop them off, you may need to do that because one of the big issues they're facing is. How many kids can they put on a bus? Twelve, right? Something like that. Right now, that's, yeah. Yeah. it sounds like twelve. Is it normally you would have fifty? Forty, yeah. at least. Yeah. No, sixty something. Is it sixty? Depending on, yeah, depending yeah, on which one. Sixty it is. to seventy-two. I mean, it's, you know, they got some big buses. It's, and that's one of the struggles. Right, but they've they, they've invested in uh, equipment for the sanitation of the schools in between. So that aspect um, is in the works. They are investing in PPE. So I just I. I 
I'm concerned because I just don't have any faith that we're, we will have a vaccine anytime soon. And so what we're seeing for the fall, that's probably what we're going to see for the spring. And, and it could be even past that. And at a certain point, this is not sustainable for how we educate our youth. And so hoping that there's a vaccine is great, but we need to have a plan for if there's not, how do we get back to making sure kids are getting educated? And, and did they address at all, um, did it come up at all in terms of just, uh, just say um, funding for the schools? Because funding is driven off of full-time enrollment, which is actually kids in the seats in the classrooms. Yep. If you have a lot of kids go homeschool or you have a lot of kids go private schools. Well, they brought it up. They're concerned. They're going to lose that yeah, I mean, and that's, that's $8,000 per student that doesn't sit in a classroom. So, I mean, again, that's something September that's even count, bigger. They're very concerned about. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I don't see that being a big concern right now. And you got to remember now, they're, they're, the survey they put out there, they're looking at, I think it's uh, 840000 somewhere around there, that, to implement what they want to do. Uh, you know, the state has, has said to all the education, counties, county educations, that you make up your own plan. Well, the Western Shore is pushing hard for nobody going back to school. Right. Which is you know, probably driving us a little bit, too. Well, it? It, I don't know that it's driving us, but, you know, we, we hope that, you know, what, what Queen Anne's County is trying to do, and they are working very hard at this. I will give them, you know, their credit that they are, they are tur- turning over every rock they can. They're trying to do it with Kent. Talbot, they, they want the surrounding counties, everybody to be, be you know, board. working on the same model, the same plan, because they share resources and certain things. And, you know, I, to me, you know, if, if the CDC says you can, the social distancing on a, on a bus only allows you to be 12, again, I go to 24. I go to 24 to make the buses work. And, you know, if there's a problem, then you, you can always reel it back. Key is what, what Chris said is, is if parents can drive their kids School, it, the, yeah. the, the system will work much better because right now they're looking at I don't know how many more buses they need and that means you got to have drivers and it, this all you know gets compounded so you know and they, I think they, they they did mention that by August first the latest August fifth that's what they're shooting for for their they, they want to be able to come out to the public and say okay here's what we're going to do you know with all the <laughs> that's two weeks away. Now, yeah. what what is their plan I know it's I've gotten a question from parents about the sports programs because obviously a lot of looking good a lot of I mean a lot of parents have money invested in their kids sports careers and they okay yeah so so, that, so that they'll be basically right now there's probably no fall sports at all well I'm not going to say that but it's just not looking good I mean they opened up their strength and conditioning and some small things are in the schools but organized sports right now is you know it, it, that's going to be a tough sell when you're when you're doing social distancing and everything else, and you're going to try and bring organized sports, and everybody's so sweating, you know, everybody. the pros and go fanless. And, just, yeah. Yeah, and, so. and they, they did acknowledge that this is still fluid. So Absolutely. restrictions that oh, state yeah. level could get right. loosened up that will give them more leeway to do more. Sure. Right. But I, I agree with you, Chris. Is, is you going to have a plan going forward? Worst case scenario right now because. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, looking 30 days out, we are worst-case scenario um, with nothing really looking like it's going to change over the next 30 days. And then you're right up against school starting. So. My guess is this: a lot of this is going to be forecasted in the next month by what the hospital experience in Texas and Florida is because the system can stand anything as long as that hospital system doesn't really overflood. And then our numbers, if we have eight people in the ICU and then it's 18 and then 24. That's what we got to really watch out for. Yeah, and and I think we are. I think we're doing really good there. We've done fabulously. My wife's down to, I shouldn't say this, but there's only two patients now. 
you know, at, at one of the worst spots, you know, the hot spots in the state. So, and one of the reasons why is everything we did and what we're doing, right. we did tonight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People remain vigilant. discontented yeah. about that because certainly a few of our citizens are going to get locked off a beach by what we did. Right. We're doing it so that we can have schools. Well, you know what? That's one thing we did not say. And I, you know, the restrictions we put into play are for Saturdays and Sundays and holidays. Yeah. Right. Saturdays and so to our own citizens, you know, those those are available for you Monday through Friday. You know, so but no restrictions. With no, no restrictions. That's correct. So, yep. you know, let, let's hope for that. So. And there's a Ken Island Beach cleanup this Saturday. Good. So if anybody is trained. First one. Wants to get down there, they're doing their first one. We give them a special dispensation if we're at capacity. We're at capacity. You can still let them get in go to go clean the beach. <laughs> right. Very good. Yeah, bring your own gloves and your own garbage bag, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. All, all done? You good? I'm all done. I'll celebrate Bastille Day. You guys have covered everything that we need to cover, so I'm all happy. So I'll take a motion to adjourn. So moved. moved. Second. Until next time. Minya. Thank you very much.